Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our Hello, folks, and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. And, whoa, folks, what a past couple of days it has been. Uh, Wow. Uh, If you would have told me last night that Ted Cruz, would suspend his campaign, and Rince Priebus would announce that Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee after Indiana. Even though I thought he was going to take Indiana, I really thought Trump was coming. I mean, uh, Trump Cruz was going to take it all the way to California. He does not. Uh, that looks like some of the efforts we're going to be having moving forward need to be expedited. We thought we had to June to get out the message that Newt Gingrich is the best VP pick for Donald Trump. And we'll talk about that tonight and we will cite examples of why that is, but now we'll just have to expedite things because it looks like uh, he may be picking one sooner. However, uh, it does say uh, that he's going to wait until July when he finishes things out. Uh, And that's what he said he wants to do is finish out the primary uh, get the rest of the delegates through the elections, and then probably announce it at the convention, which if that indeed is true, and I don't see any reason why not to believe it at this point, then we do have some time, and I think it's important for us to get out there. There's there's plenty of people out there who folks uh, think would be the best candidates for uh, Trump to pick, but there will be many reasons why that we'll be talking about uh, tonight including uh, the aspects that will be part of our petition that our panelists, City Todd and I, are putting together. And we are looking to get this information to new, either through uh, a delegate, uh, Trump delegates, or, I mean, Trump, Trump delegate, or uh, through other channels of communication with the Trump campaign. And, of course, we also are going to uh, reach out to, of course, Gingrich as well. And one of the things we're going to uh, do is that or have done this week is I kind of did uh, a posting on Facebook where Newt Gingrich said that, you know, he would be, basically I'm paraphrasing, of course, be open to a VP pick if so asked, uh, stating that, you know, if someone running for president comes to you and says, I need you, you know, what patriotic person uh, could say no? So it sounds like Gingrich is indeed open to uh, the vice presidential pick, uh, which I haven't been so excited about the prospects of 2016 uh, until now. And I'm very excited about that. I think uh, you'll hear a lot of folks talking about different candidates, such as Chris Christie, because you, you see him a lot on the campaign trail. I think uh, Trump and the uh, administration would be better served. Uh, as the attorney general for Chris Christie. Uh, there's also mention 
of at least last night on Hannity, there was a little talk of that going on, at least said to be talk going on between uh, Trump and Rubio, which I really hope not. I could see some of the reasons why they'd have Rubio on there. Uh, but I just don't think he has the experience that Trump is looking for. Now, one of the things Trump stated is that he's going to look for a politician, someone who knows how to handle Congress and someone who has bold ideas. Now, does that not describe – that doesn't describe Newt Gingrich. I don't know uh, what will. So if you'd like to uh, chime in tonight, give us a call at 347-945-7428, and we'll get you into the show. I do see some callers in there now. Uh, so push the one on your number dial if you'd like to get in. But we're trying something a little different tonight, so we'll see how that works. Uh, so if you're not in chat, but also if you uh, are on Facebook, uh, I believe uh, by going to the link put on Facebook, you may actually be able to listen to the show on Facebook while you're there. So that would be pretty interesting if that's the case. Unfortunately, I got banned for 20, not banned. I can't say that. I got in Facebook jail for 24 hours. I could still comment, but it looks like I'm not able to make any posts uh, to Facebook uh, for the next 24 hours. I don't know why, but be that amazed, at least I can still uh, react and answer folks uh, when, you know, they reply to any of the posts I have. So, as I said earlier, we do have, uh, excuse me, a petition that we're working on. And, you know, on the description for tonight's show, we have a, just a the short version or just a synopsis. There will definitely be more, and we'll probably go over uh, that tonight as well. And basically, you know, we're going to put this out on social media, get as many signatures as we can, and then, of course, send them out. And, of course, you were listening, uh, if you would like to help, uh, definitely contact me at BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com by going to the website's contact page uh, at www.BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com. There's a section where you could send me a comment or, you know, or me a message uh, that would go to my email. So, excuse me, if you'd like to be involved, uh, definitely uh, send that out to me. Now, part of the petition is going to read as follows. Now, uh, there will be, of course, some um, things that's in Okay, that's going to be in the incorporated into the short speech or the short uh, petition, and, there, and so there's going to be a lot more to be said. Just it wouldn't sit in the spot I have allotted. It says, "Dear candidate Trump, we congratulate you on your victory for the Republican nomination. Now it's time to move forward. Now, granted, we're talking about he's a presumptive nominee. He's not official yet, but you know, you know, they want to hear these things and." I, I do think that moving forward, he will be uh, the nominee. And so we congratulate you on your victory for the Republican nomination. Now it is time to move forward to choose a running mate that conservatives will support and who knows Congress. That person is Newt Gingrich. He took the Republican Party to a 54-seat gain to win the House of Representatives in 1994, which had been held by the Republicans for only two out of 62 previous years. Uh, the fact will, this fact will alleviate those with fears of down-ballot losses. Gingrich also has experience balancing budgets, as he did in 1995. He got uh, past the budget 
a balanced budget act of 1997. Gingrich supports the Six Sigma business management model for the United States government. And during his 2012 campaign, Gingrich proposed a balanced budget amendment, building a fence on the U.S.-Mexican border, and promoted a reduction of the federal government's influence by adhering to the Tenth Amendment on states' rights. Gingrich also promotes increasing American investments into the future in the areas of science and technology. For these reasons and more, Mr. Trump, we urge you to choose Nick Gingrich as your running mate to the vice president of the United States. Signed, and that's where uh, the people will sign. Now, because, as I said, that is the short version. Uh, we will have uh, more of what uh, Cindy Todd has put in as well to incorporate into the petition that we'll be sending out. So definitely watch uh, for it. We're going to do it in a, an online format. And I do see Cindy on the line. So if Cindy wants to talk more about that, that's fine as well. Cindy, just push your one on the number dial, and we'll get you in. And so while we're waiting for Cindy, and I want to welcome those uh, who are listening to the show. Uh, well, that's interesting. I was just looking at the chat. I got a big uh, explanation mark. And so uh, those listening new on Facebook, I want to welcome you uh, to listening to the show. And uh, give us a call if you'd like at 347-945-7428. If you uh, support New Gingrich as a VP, and even if you do not, uh, we do not cower away from dissenting opinions here. Uh, we definitely are open up to different discussion. And so while we're away for that, you know, in 2012, you know, for those who are long-term listeners to the show, uh, know that we really supported Gingrich and his run for the presidency back in 2012. And so we've got a lot, uh, you know, a lot of material uh, from Donald Trump, uh, not Donald Trump, see, I'm getting it mixed up, uh, from Newt Gingrich. And so, you know, we'll probably hear some of those uh, clips tonight. And one of the first ones I'd like to pick, and let's see if I can uh, see this, is there was an article out there where you had uh, Reagan's uh, – not Ronald Reagan, I apologize. So maybe it was his son, you know, one of his, his son was not too keen on you know, Donald Trump. I, I didn't read the whole article, but I, I just kind of got uh, a notion from it. And, you know, he wasn't too keen about, you know, supporting Donald Trump. Um, and so hopefully, you know, you have, you know, changed his mind about supporting the ticket. And I'm trying to find the audio clip, but I'm kind of scrolling through. I've just got a ton of audio clips here. Uh, folks, it's just uh, unbelievable. Let's see if I can find that. And so maybe uh, – but he had a lot of good things to say. About about Newt Gingrich, and I'm as I said, I'm just scrolling down trying to find that, and we'll get we'll we'll get that, uh, you know, we'll get that uh, here tonight, you know, at some point for you can listen to it. Uh, but yes, and so as I said earlier, very surprised Cruz uh, dropped out this early. I mean, I wasn't really suspecting it. Uh, it's probably a good thing. Uh, now they still are fighting it out at uh, the Democrat side. It, it's pretty much over, of course. He did win. Uh, Bernie Sanders did win Indiana, uh, which I. But he, here's the thing. Let's just make a long story short. Hillary Clinton most probably will be the nominee for the Democrats. But watch out, folks. I see, and people, a lot of people may not agree with this, uh, but I 
see that Sanders is – I see Sanders as her running mate. I really do. I, I don't think they blast each other enough uh, to – for that not to happen. I think she's going to really want and, frankly, you know, need his votes because a lot of his votes, because he's an outsider, okay, um, you know, would, would go to – would otherwise go to Trump. Not all of them, but some of them who just won an outside candidate. And I did find that this was a from Michael Reagan. And it's Michael Reagan who wasn't too uh, keen on Donald Trump, but perhaps he will be more uh, apt to support a Trump-Gingrich ticket uh, if he was on the ballot, or a Trump-anything ticket. And so here's the audio that I've got. I pulled up from our archives, and what, what it took me for a while is these are archives that I'm pulling back from four years ago in 2012. And so let's uh, hear with this from Michael Reagan. I'm Michael Reagan, and I'm with Newt because he was there for us when we need a leader back in the 1990s. So why not be with him when he needs me and needs this party in 2012? I know people are saying that they didn't, or my father didn't mention Newt more than one time in his diary. He didn't mention Mitt Romney at all in his diary. There's a lot of people didn't get mentioned, and maybe a lot of people didn't get mentioned enough. But remember, Ronald Reagan wasn't doing the editing. Someone else was editing the diary when it, in fact, came out. But where was Newt in the 80s? He was part of the Reagan Revolution. He was in the Congress of the United States of America. Where was he during the 1990s? He was the guy putting together the contract with America, being lifted up by all these naysayers. All the naysayers now were applauding him back in the 1990s. Thank you for giving us the first Republican majority in over 40 years. You know, as I said to someone, back in the 1990s they were giving a bar mitzvah. Why are they burning the chair today? I don't know why. Because they should be uplifting him and thanking him and paying back to him what he gave to us for balanced budgets, welfare reform. And by the way, as I go around the country, and people are talking about the problem in Washington where the Democrats and Republicans aren't working together. This is the man who actually worked with Democrats to reform welfare and balance the budgets. It was Bill Clinton, a Democrat in the White House, not a Republican. So he's done what everybody is looking for, for things to get done in Washington, D.C. He's the man that knows the inside, and he's the man who I believe can in fact do it. I think it's my duty to honor the man who's honored and done more for this party than anybody running for office today. One of the problems that I have seen over the last couple of elections with conservatives is they always seem to blame the media, you know, for their loss. Well, the situation is when you have three, four, five conservatives running for the same position and one moderate or liberal, the moderate or liberal isn't splitting the vote with anybody. And conservatives end up splitting their own vote. Hence, John McCain gets the nomination in 2008. That's the reason he got the nomination. Now here we are today with more conservatives in the race, again, splitting that vote and allowing Romney to, in fact, split the vote with no one. And the way I look at the election, and we fought this battle for a long time. There are the Rockefeller Republicans, the elite Republicans, the East Coast Republicans, if you will. And there's the grassroots or the Reagan conservatives. And, and that's been a battle within the party for years. And in fact, during that period of time when my dad was running for president of the United States, even governor of California, the Rockefeller Republicans were completely against him. They didn't want him to win. My father was the original Tea Party. 
He's the guy that stepped forward with the grassroots back in the 1960s and then again in 1976 and 1980, brought the party together and won the presidency. It wasn't the Rockefeller Republicans that elected him. It was the conservative Reaganites, the Reagan Republicans, the people who do the work. Those are the people who elected Ronald Reagan to the presidency in 1980. And those are the people that need to win it again. The reason it's so important to vote this next Tuesday and follow this through is I remember my father in 1976 when he was asked to come to a convention floor to speak to a nation. He had just lost the nomination of his party. He stepped to a microphone and looked at a nation and he talked about the bold colors, the difference between their party and our party. But he also talked about being asked to write a letter to be put into a time capsule that would be open on the 300th anniversary of this nation. And he said, what a daunting task to write to a people who would know everything about us, but we knew nothing of them. And he said, what do I write about? And he said, do I write about the freedoms we enjoy today knowing that if we do not make the right decision today, those who live on the 300th anniversary of this nation may very well not enjoy the freedom to open up the time capsule to find what I've written into it? That's how important this election is. It is truly about freedom. Are we going to keep the freedoms we have today or are we going to keep losing our freedoms so that time capsule, in fact, is not open? Newt Gingrich understands that. He understands this is the battle for freedom. I want people to open up the time capsule, but I want people to do something else. When they go vote on Tuesday, I want them to also write a letter into their own time capsule and write to their children and grandchildren what they are doing to fight for freedom. If they want to truly be a Reaganite, Write your own letter. Tell your next generation what you have done today to ensure their freedom tomorrow. Do that, and you won't have to look for Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan will be in your time capsule. And since we are definitely uh, having the same fights today, uh, and so I think it still holds true about Gingrich uh, today as it did back four years ago, and I would hope Michael Reagan would agree. And so let's go ahead and get Cindy uh, on. Uh, Cindy, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? And actually, now I am uh, Facebook jailed until 10.08, so it appears I can't even make comments to folks who have commented on any of my posts on Facebook. So if you're out there listening to uh, the show on Facebook, uh, I can't share the link out anymore, so I'd really appreciate it if other folks uh, would do that uh, so that they can listen uh, to the show there on uh, Facebook uh, as well, or uh, come here to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, so it's a new feature that I'm um, checking out. We'll see how uh, that works out. Of course, with uh, the different technologies and stuff, we'll just have to, to wait and see. But go ahead, Cindy. Uh, thank you for coming to the show. How are you tonight? So how, so how do you like Facebook jail, Robert? <laughs> uh, you know what? I have to admit, this is the first time I think I've ever been in Facebook jail. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I'm in it. Maybe because yeah. they didn't like what I had to say. I don't know. I've heard some different things about Facebook. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But this is the first time I've well, been in it. Well, I mean, why would somebody put you in Facebook jail? I don't get it. Well, they're probably going around kind of randomly selecting a lot of Trump supporters on, you know, popular blog talk shows, popular Facebook pages, and uh, trying to put a stop to their voice. You know, that's the kind of the way they operate, you know. Zuckerberg is all tied up with those people, so what do you expect, you know? But anyway, we'll get the job done one way or the other. But I like 
I, I didn't remember that. I, I remember hearing Michael Reagan's speech uh, several times. I've listened to it. But I, I, I don't think I ever really paid that close of attention to that time capsule thing. I love that. Tell, uh, forget Reagan's time capsule. Make your own time capsule. Tell your kids what you're going to do to preserve their freedom. Um, did you vote to cut national spending, uh, all the spending, the, the waste that Congress spends? Um, are you going to vote for a president who wants to rein in the Secret Service or ra rather the um, Homeland Security and, and uh, you know, the, the phone banks and all the stuff that Snowden uh, exposed. You know, are you are you willing to 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 call those people out on that? And because look, there was uh, I, I ran into a quote from one of the found, founders. I think it was Jefferson, but I, I can't say for sure. But anyway, he stated something like. Um, you must not vote for your security over your freedom. That that just is not an option. And the thing is, a lot of uh, nations have done that, and they're going downhill because of it. When you take the rights of the people away, when you take the guns of the people away, you've taken their freedoms away, period, because they're going to lose their freedom. Because there's always a nefarious government out there, whether it's somewhere in the world or somewhere right here in your own nation, that will take you for granted. And, and they're going to, once once you cannot defend yourself, they're going to run over you like a flood. So anyway, uh, I, that was an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about it before that deeply, but I, I like that idea. And, and I do like what Michael said about uh, Gingrich. And the thing is... Uh, Michael not being a huge Trump fan, like you said, maybe if Gingrich was his pick for maybe if Gingrich was his pick for VP, he might change his mind a little bit on that, and we'd get him on our side. Um, with Gingrich as his confidant, as Gingrich having um, daily access to Trump, um, he could take him under his wing and teach him the ropes and teach him the conservative way, the Jack Kemp way, the Ronald Reagan way, um, and and just, uh, I mean, that's who mentored him and taught him the conservative way, and he needs to pass that down to somebody else, and it might as well be Trump. And Trump is, is a sponge. He'll, he'll absorb everything you put at him that he believes is right and true. And I think that having someone like Gingrich around with so much knowledge especially his knowledge of the Beltway, but not mm -hmm. limited to that. His, his historical knowledge, his, his knowledge about uh, military strategy, he was a military strategist uh, professor. He, um, his dad being a, a, was he a general? I think he was, he was either a general, he was something high up. But anyway, um, you know, his dad was a military guy, and he learned a lot from him. And 
he has made foreign policy one of his chief concerns, one of his chief studies, and he has rounded out his knowledge about that. And um, that is a world of information that Trump needs right now. And I believe it was you that was uh, saying to me the other day um, that Trump was going to look for somebody who knew the inside of the Beltway and Mm -hmm. someone who would help him with his foreign policy and terrorism. Congress, yeah, help him. Uh, right. uh, if he's looking for that, that tells me he needs Newt Gingrich. <laughs> just, I mean, who else fits the bill like that? Tell me, who else could possibly fit the bill like that? Anyway, so have you heard what all the pundits are saying now? I was very concerned. You know, um, we get the no- we get the message that. Cruz has dropped out. Then we get the message today that Kasich has dropped out. Right. And yeah, now, I heard that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now I'm listening to what all the pundits are saying about it. Is everybody going to rally around the candidate now like they said we had to when Romney was given the nomination in 2012? Now they just right, right. They just excoriated us grassroots conservatives because we didn't rally behind Romney like we, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly. Oh, look, well, right. let me like tell you, I got a threat, and then when he lost, you thought Bart's watch was single-handedly was responsible for Romney losing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what, you're uh, uh, at the most, what, 10,000 people were, were listening to you? I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, that's going to change the whole nation, isn't it? But anyway, well, hey, well I you know, tell you what, you know, the, what, what's that? The, the thing of sick. But anyway, you know, <laughs> with the six degrees well, of separation, you know, we go ahead. Well, you know, Robert, you know, I think they heard my my uh, Kasich conspiracy theory, and they got scared to death, and they said, "Hey, I give up." I Cindy Todd knows it's now. Like man. They know, she's gonna right? Get, she's going to get the word out, man. We're we're sunk. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we have anything to say about it, right? So anyway, um, you've heard how the pundits are all saying, uh, you know, before they were saying we all have to rally around. Get Who's going to get this party together? Well, I think Kasich's going to. And, and as you know, we were going to shape this show around that theory that they were going to give us Kasich at, at an open convention. Right, yeah, that's and what I, tonight's show it, was going to be about, certainly, right. And, yeah, and I, said, I, I was thinking about surprises that, that Cruz dropped out. Well, and I still, uh, I I still believe that's exactly what they were planning. I think they they lost the ball game. Oh yeah, look what they're doing with the delegates. Certainly, Ted lost. I mean, Ted won. I mean, excuse me, Ted lost Indiana. Um, Trump won Indiana in a big way, not just like on the, by the hair of his chinny chin chin. He right. won in a big way. So. Um, I think they realized at that point um, not even Cruz is going to bail us out of this. Uh, if you remember, right? He only yeah, because needs, yeah, he, he, yeah, he only needs forty-one. He only he only needs forty-one percent of the remaining delegates, right? To get to the twelve thirty-seven. Well, I had heard fifty-five, but I didn't. After getting fifty-three in Indiana, it would have been simple Simon to get fifty-five or more in all the those other states or most of them. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, now, so I'm here, I'm listening. What are these pundits going to say? Are they going to rally around the troops, you know? Are they going to rally around the Republican flag? 
No. Riley. O'Reilly has Rove on there. And he asked no, Rove. Oh, yeah. He says, uh, well, are you going to support the nominee now? Are you going to get behind him and support him? And with all the nerve he could muster, Rove says, well, I'm going to wait and see. And I'm like, okay. O'Reilly, wait and see for what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So O'Reilly, says, so O'Reilly says, no, wait a minute. Are you saying that you would consider supporting uh, Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders? And Rove is like, <laughs> and Rove says, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to wait and see. So, I mean, he never what? would. He never would come out and say that he was going to endorse Trump or that he wouldn't endorse Hillary or Bernie. It was the most. It was the most telling, the most vivid picture of Karl Rove as the progressive that he really is, as the New World Order guy that he really is. Because you know what? The New World Order could care less what party is in the presidency because they get what they want regardless, as long as it's a New World Order candidate, somebody that's a part of their oligarchy. They... They'll vote for anybody. Doesn't matter what party you are. They'll vote for a communist. They'll vote obviously with Bernie Sanders. They'll vote for uh, an independent. You know, Democrat. Doesn't matter. They'll vote for him. So I mean, they were. That was so. I mean, and Kelly trots out two guys on her show that are saying they're going to leave the party now. Phil Klein. He's one of them. He comes on there. I'm going to leave the party now because of Trump being the, the nominee. And then you find out he's a journalist. <laughs> so why was he even <laughs> why was he even registered in the Republican Party? He's he's not gonna he's not a Republican. A guy like that's not a Republican. So anyway. So he's leaving the party. Bye bye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah, and all um, those celebrities like uh oh, you know, was it like fifty cents or something or who knows who said that they would leave the country? It's like Bye bye, go. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We ain't yeah, gonna, we're not going. We're not going to miss you. Now I might so miss Miley Cyrus, but beyond that, I don't think I miss any of the other ones. Well, let's let's um let's figure out who's leaving. Let's let's look up the uh, plane reservations. Who's got plane reservations? Who's leaving? I, oh, I would yeah. love to say. I want to say goodbye. I want to I want to send a a goodbye note. Uh, thank you for being a citizen for as long as you were. Uh, we appreciate everything you did for our country, which was diddly squat. But um, you have a good time <laughs> over there in um, – where are you going? Well, that's a socialist country. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you, you'll make it okay. Yeah, find yourself a socialist <laughs> country to live in. Yeah, if you want socialism, go there. Yeah. And, and you know what? And, 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 yeah. No, they'll be surprised at how their income gets cut in half as soon as they move across the pond. <laughs> oh, yeah, certainly. And let's go ahead and open up uh, the line for John. I believe that's John on the line. Uh, John, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you much. Um, hey, John. Hey, Cindy. Good to hear you guys. You're sounding great. <laughs> yeah. Hoping you're Thanks. all healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, well health. Two of the two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You guys yeah, can figure out which ones those are, but I think you already know. Go ahead. 
I appreciate you, Robert, putting up with me in the sense that you know I'm not a Trump fan. But I am grateful that our Ted Cruz and and uh, what's his name, Marco Rubio. Oh. No, Marco Rubio, you know, the anchor baby and the non-citizen are, are not going to have to be dealt with anymore. Cause my yeah. thing well, is, let's hope they don't try to force Rubio down on next for VP. Go ahead. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, a part of my issue is I don't think anybody's constitutional. I mean, none of them hold up the true spirit of our founding. So, therefore, I can't. I'm having a hard time even with Trump. I definitely don't like anybody on the Democrat side either, but at the same time, I'm like going, is this what our country's offering us as really noble, virtue people? Um, give me a break. But at the yeah. same time, I would prefer if Trump is going to be the nominee, I would prefer somebody like Jeff Sessions or Rand Paul as the uh, VP. What do you think of that? Well, Go ahead, Cindy, and I'll make friends. my comments. I have a friend that wants Rand Paul as his VP, um, but I don't oh, like yeah, so uh, Donald Trump needs somebody that's really going to be um, hawkish on our terrorism issue, and Rand Paul will not. He will sit back, uh, retract from all of our our uh, protection positions over there, and he will he will allow terrorism to to come here to this nation in a big way because he underestimates the the the, the motivation behind that terrorism. And so I, I wouldn't pick Rand Paul. I, Jeff Sessions, I love him. He'd be great. I'm I'm more inclined to, to Newt Gingrich though because of what he what Donald Trump needs and what the, Newt has already done. It makes a perfect match. But Newt's I like just I like that idea. Newt's still too much insider for me. With the you remember the Iran Iran Conquer scandal with um, uh, Reagan and them. See, I don't like a crook. Period. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. I just don't like any of this corruption and nullifying the voters' right to participate in self-governance. And that's what we've been getting for a hundred and some odd years. And so I'm glad to see Americans waking up. Now, given the fact that Donald Trump is now the Republican nominee and I'm a registered Republican, I mean, definitely, even though he may not get my vote, I'll at least vote against the other people who are running against him, just like I did for Romney and, and McCain. You know, that, that uh, Arizona center gone insane. <laughs> yeah, I think he's kind of lost. You're, it. Right. Yeah. You're right. He, so, he has gone. He has gone insane. But it's like we have to really be careful now because the the RNC they say, okay, we're going to go with Trump, but they know the president is only one person. He's kind of like a, a puppet in a way. All the other people in the Congress and Senate and in the co different positions in the state houses. They're going to make sure that they get establishment people in those particular groups so that way, you know, they can still manipulate Donald Trump. Uh, so it's sad. Well, let me let me ask you this. Do you remember that when Newt Gingrich was passing welfare reform, passing the uh, 
um, balanced budget amendment, passing tax relief, all under a Democrat administration. You remember him doing that? And he did that by strong-arming the Democrats, but also remember, and this is why I know that he's not part of the establishment, that and the fact that they squashed him in 2012, uh, they do not like Newt Gingrich because he is a true conservative, and he, is, he tries his best not to allow the establishment to tell him what to do. That's the reason they, they trumped up, yeah, excuse my language, but anyway, they trumped up a hundred and some charges against him, none of which stuck except one that really was committed by one of his, his uh, campaign people, um, or it was an aide, something like that. But anyway, he ended up having to pay a fine because of someone, some, something someone else did. Right. But all of that other stuff was trumped up against him by whom? Not the Democrats. His good old buddies from the GOP establishment uh, tried to take him down. They're the ones that wanted him out of the speakership because he was too effective for them. They did not want America, America's now uh, economy to return. Now, they had just squashed it with George W., H.W., okay? Reagan did a great job. I don't know if you were uh, old enough to have an income in the 1980s, but me and my husband did very well under the, under the Reagan administration. And then George H.W. came in and just took it all down, just crumbled it all down. Uh, Clinton came in, tried to continue on with the New World Order agenda, and Newt Gingrich smacked him down. And instead of giving us health care and a whole bunch of other liberal left-wing stuff, we got a conservative platform coming out of the White House. And so, to me, that was all proof that Newt Gingrich, even though he knows the Beltway like the back of his hand, which I never could understand that because I don't know that I know the back of my hand that well. But anyway, he knows the inside and he knows how to get things done. And yet, he does not mind putting those guys down, slapping them down when they get off the platform when they get off the conservative um, platform. Uh, did he do a few things that I disagreed with? Yes, he sure did. Uh, do I understand how people think he's in the establishment? Sure, because he was a part of uh, that establishment for many, many years. Um, but I don't think that he could be considered establishment because First of all, they don't like him. If he was, they'd like him. And second of all, his record shows that he is not New World Order at all. He's for America just like Trump is. Anyway, that's, that's just what I thought. I think the point we're, we're going to get Kelly in a little bit. What, and I'm gonna, I want to answer your question. There was, two, there was two, possible, two possibilities. There was Rand Paul and who else? Jeff Sessions. John? Jeff Sessions, okay. Yeah, I heard you. And I'll answer both of those. Uh, I'll probably have more to say about uh, Rand Paul than Jeff Sessions, so. Uh, Jeff Sessions first. Uh, Is that one, you know, while, you know, 
said to be, you know, strong conservative, you know, has his position. I, I don't think that Sessions has the qualifications as Newt Gingrich. I mean, that, so that makes that long and short of it for that. Now, for me, I could say more about Rand Paul is that every time Rand Paul had the opportunity to endorse a conservative candidate, he failed, for one, he failed to do so. In 2012, he had an opportunity where he could have endorsed either Mitt Romney or Newt Gingrich, uh, and he sided with Mitt Romney. Uh, more recently, uh, when there was a, a fight uh, where there was a contested election for Mitch McConnell, uh, there was a primary, Matt Bevin. Now, Matt Bevin is now the uh, – and I need to get him back on the show. But anyway, he uh, is now the governor of Kentucky. But, yeah, he's now the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevin is. But when he was running in the primary against Mitch McConnell, again, you know, he had an opportunity to step up and, you know, put his uh, support behind Bevin, and he didn't. He ended up endorsing uh, Mitch McConnell. You know, so when he's got, you know, when, when he has time to, to really show his support, it seems like it's always gone to the establishment, and he's always done uh, political triangulating. So that's why I'm, I'm not a big fan of Rand Paul. Now, I do like, you know, a lot of what you know, he has to say, especially when it comes to the Fed and things of that nature. Uh, however, you know, when it came to being actually, you know, when the rubber met the road, I, I just don't think that, you know, he came through for him. I really don't. Um, and so uh, with that being said, let's go ahead uh, and, and, of course, with all the, a lot of things that you said too, Cindy, with, with Trump law, I'm sure we have more to say. Let's go ahead and uh, bring Kelly in. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing okay right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy. Can somebody look up how many delegates Trump has? He needs 1237. Uh, it's pretty exciting that Cruz, I mean, he finally – Realize he ain't going to make it. Um, Kasich, what's up with that? I mean, what? He won two states? Um, well, yeah, he finally dropped that? Yeah, I mean, come on, Kasich, really? I mean, that, that hinted, hinted um, that there was going to be a, um open convention, or they call it brokered or whatever. I'm just like, finally, common sense kicked in. All right, so I want to go from these establishment uh, tricks to Gingrich's possibility as a VP and then some other things. But um, so, yeah, um, now what does the establishment do? I mean, they're freaking out. They are freaking out. So several options, Alex Jones was mentioning today, okay, they could assassinate him. Um, They could work with him. Or maybe they do something else. Um, try to beat him in the general and let uh, Hillary in. Uh, that's kind of Alex Jones' take. But, you know, when you start to look at Democrats and Republicans, it's more like Republicans and Democans. Um, you get the two confused. So, you know, maybe they're just going to embrace him and let fly, but I doubt that because Trump, well, that system that they set up, okay, the establishment has a uh, Patriot Act. The war on drugs is where real quick, trying to get into. Real quick, Kelly. Real, real quick, Kelly, because I'm testing something. I've just seen a, a message on Facebook, and this is kind of one of the first times I've ever gotten, uh, I guess, put in what they call Facebook jail. Uh, so I do uh, – I think I see some folks who uh, will be listening to the show 
uh, through Facebook. It's uh, something new that I'm uh, trying. Uh, go ahead. If you are listening to the show via Facebook, uh, send a post uh, to whichever page you are listening from so that I know, indeed, uh, that you are listening. Uh, I will not be able to reply because I am in Facebook jail. So if uh, you're out there and you're making messages to me, uh, which I know some are, for making comments to my posts, unfortunately, I am not able to uh, respond uh, because I guess I got some Facebook bars uh, in front of me. I, I don't know why. I guess I, I didn't post any more than I thought that I did, uh, that I have in the past. But, you know, maybe uh, what Cindy said earlier uh, is the, the real cause of it. But, well, we'll I don't know. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and uh, back to you, Kelly. I apologize uh, for interruption, but I just made, read uh, someone's message, or not message, but post, and it kind of looked like they were, you know, listening there on the show, uh, you know, listening on, on the show through there. So I want to kind of test that. Go ahead, Kelly. Go ahead. Well, uh, quick about Facebook. I've had that problem where um, posting too much, and then they come up with a little ad. If you want to post all over the place, just pay us 5 or $10 or whatever. So it's kind of a business thing. Uh-huh. I don't think he did anything wrong. But, okay, so back to uh, Trump. Establishment, the establishment is freaking out. They've set up a spy system. Uh, Nixon, <clears throat> the whole thing with Watergate, they were starting to spy on people, CIA. And, <clears throat> you know, then the war on drugs. Uh, the war on drugs has done dismal things to hurt our constitutional rights. Who knows how much they're spying on us there. That wasn't working enough. 9-11, Patriot Act, um, spying on people. That's been getting a lot of mileage. So, And with the electronic world we're in, bank accounts, um, transactions, this, that, and everything is, is not everything, but essentially there's an awful lot of data on everyday people. Well, goodness, the establishment is going to have this listening device turned on them with Trump. In other words, Trump is going to use their own thing against them to track transactions, possibly illegal, well, we're going to find some illegal on some, illegal operations, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. So their own system is going to be used against them. It's pretty frightening for the establishment. They're like, oh, my gosh, we're freaking out. So it's going to be interesting what, what they're going to do. I don't think they have enough power. That's why I'm asking for delegate count now. Looking for um, if, if Trump has enough power, he can pick his own man. Not like Reagan that had to concede in a backroom deal mm-hmm. for Bush as a VP in that broker convention, right. open convention. Makes really. you wonder who he um, would have picked. Well, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, that would have changed history. So he's stronger than than uh, Reagan. So he's going to pick his own VP. And the question is, who's that going to be? Somebody threw out the idea of Bernie Sanders, and he'd slammed up cream Hillary. But uh, oh. <laughs> don't think hey, I don't. Watch I, mean, it. <laughs> I know. I somebody mentioned that. I'm like, that's brilliant if he wants to win. But anyway, he so he's looking for the best interests of the country, uh, saying you know, make America great again. And so if he really is into that as his motive, which um, I have no reason to doubt him right now. He's going to want not just eight years, suppose he gets eight years. He's going to want 16. How do you get 16? Well, you pick a VP. You pick a VP that will um, follow, follow your coattails and get elected. So that would give America 16 years. That would be awesome. 
All right, so you carefully have to pick your vice presidential candidate. Not like Ted Cruz, who was desperate and picked uh, Farini um, <laughs> yeah. before, which you don't do that, but that's what he did because he was kind of freaking out, but that didn't work. So you, Trump has to pick a VP that can really help the country. That you know, VP's job mostly is to uh, be the president of the Senate and just kind of listen there. So Newt might be a good pick, but there's so many many qualifications if you're thinking down the road 16 years for a VP candidate. Um, you know, how is he about the economy? What's been his voting record? Where is he from? Is he a, a real positive can-do attitude? Is it a VP pick that Trump would um, have on his show? Or would the guy s- survive the line of, you're fired, you know, the, the Trump show, uh, The Apprentice? So, you know, he he's going to have his own system, if you will, and his own, maybe he's already got somebody picked, but he's going to have his own um, set of criteria, which, you know, if I was going to pick a VP, I'd have at least, what, five pages of questions and attitude and meet with many candidates and really think it through. And Trump's his own man. He's going to make his own decision. Um, at the same time, he does need somebody like Gingrich who knows the ropes of Congress. No question about that. Newt is absolutely, stunningly qualified to know the ropes and be VP. Is Newt going to be too old in eight years? That's one of the challenges there. Is it going to be too old in eight years? And then and then add another eight, that's 16. So you start looking possibly, I mean, I don't know, how old is Newt Gingrich right now? Uh, I think he's like 70-something. So, yeah, you're, you got a good point there. 72. So 70, and then he'll be 78 and be 82 is first and 86. Um, is that right? 72. Plus eight is is eighty, so he'll be eighty when he's president, which would be hard to get elected. He'll be eighty eight when he's out of office. So that was one of the complaints about Ron Paul is he just looked, you know, they thought he was too old, but he could get on a bicycle and outdo most people. Well, they thought Reagan was too old too. Remember that? Well, towards the end, yeah, that's true. A little bit. uh, Nancy had to whisper in his ear questions that reporters would show up randomly and stuff. He wasn't Reagan the last six months he wasn't uh he had his moments. It was Yeah, but he was on the he was uh on the early side of uh Alzheimer's, so that doesn't mean something like that would happen to Trump or or Ron Paul. Trump's young enough that he can handle it. But the uh just just, so um it's gonna. He could pick somebody who knows Roger Stone. He could pick somebody we've never even heard of. He could pick, uh, you know, Rand Paul is young enough, but yeah, Rand Paul had to show some amazing things as VP. You know, George Bush was he was George Bush Senior a congressman? I know he was a director of the CIA, but was he? Did he hold office before he became VP? Uh, I wasn't he a governor somewhere? I thought he was a governor. I don't think he was in Congress, but I, I think he was a governor. I'm not, I can't remember governor. now. Yeah. You talking well, about anyway. HW or just W? No, HW. The, the guy who said we'll have a new order order, yeah, the first Bush. Anyway. Um, all right, so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of criteria that is 
you know, for us political commentators, um, we don't think like Trump. I mean, I run a business, and I understand a lot of his thinking. I read his book, The Art of the Deal, <clears throat> and he's definitely going to have have the person's got to have an absolute positive can-do attitude. Well, yes, Gingrich did display that yeah. in, in, the con- yeah, he, in developing the contract of America. He very, very much, how do you motivate people, all that, and he did it, man, and that was great. And he, he got to be affluent, a little bit funny, Gingrich was. There's so many attributes of Newt Gingrich that I like that should be in the VP pick. Um, but it, and it, this is just a wild guess, to be straight up with you. I mean, I, I'm not, no way am I poo-pooing your idea, because I like a lot of the things Gingrich has done, well, except for the New World Order thing. He was involved in the Council on Foreign Relations, and I don't know if he did that just to play along and then finally said, okay, I have enough power. I'm out of the, I'm out of the establishment. But, you know, maybe that's what he did. I'm, I'm no longer. I was playing along to get into power. I'm now in no longer establishment. I don't know what's what 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 the deal is, but um, he obviously isn't going to pick Rubio because he got craned and in Florida. They don't like him. Um, Ted Cruz, no, because he's already challenged his constitutional eligibility publicly. I said, you know, he, the way Trump said it, he's like, well, hey, let's just let's just clarify this. Let's just get this out in the open now. Let's get this dealt with now. And of course, you know the nastiness. I don't think they'll. Uh, I don't think he's going to pick Cruz. Kasich, no. Um, Rand Paul, he's young enough, but I just, I don't know. Much as I like him, um, could be somebody coming. Comp- I, I totally agree with so many points you're making. Yes, he needs somebody that helps him understand the ropes of Congress. Um, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I. Just thinking this through out loud a little bit, I don't know how Trump thinks because I'm not in his brain. Um, well, I think we're in for a surprise. Well, Kelly, he uh, H.W. was in the House of Representatives at one time. Oh, from what state? I'm looking. I think it's Massachusetts, but I'm not sure. Hang on. That sounds right. And while she's looking at that, uh, you know, Cindy okay. sent me this. And, uh, oh, go ahead, Cindy, because I was going uh, read to read what you sent, what, what you did send me on Facebook, uh, in the, and I put it in the, the message of, you know, what's going to be part of our petition. But go ahead, and then, I, then I'm going to read from that. Go ahead. Well, let me let me finish something, too, about Trump. Sure. Obviously, yeah, no, go ahead. if um, the establishment wants him dead, let's see. Reagan was shot, AFK was shot, Garfield, Lincoln. Um, you know, there, we have had a number of presidents assassinated and um, over our history by, you know, probably establishment, which actually goes back before 76, and I don't want to go into that too much, uh, 1776. But so he knows that whoever, if he gets killed, that the VP is the immediate person and, uh, well, in fact, with Lincoln, they had planned to kill the vice president and the secretary of state at the same time. Um, so he's got to pick somebody who carries his exact vision and understands, and by the way, Trump understands a lot about it. Establishment doesn't like him. He was fighting Gatton after for a long time, wasn't a fan of the Patriot Act, a number of these things. And Roger Stone is coming out saying that, yeah, he's kind of like a sleeper patriot, really understands what's really going on in the world. 
So he's got to pick somebody that and and, and uh, there's a news clip on uh, some reporter's uh, national political pundit going off on Trump that oh he's a conspiracy theorist guy and he's like Alex Jones wants to get to the root of 9/11 thinks the Saudis are involved in and then this and that and that and that oh he's in that case conspiracy theory yeah it didn't matter he still got elected so of that mindset if you will. He's going to pick somebody who really, really knows what's going on and who the powers that be are um, for his VP. I mean, I, a whole bunch of criteria if he's doing it right. And he'll have his advisors too. Um, but I, I would encourage, you know, you're writing a letter to Trump uh, promoting Gingrich. Um, he continue to bring out the good attributes that Gingrich has, whether he picks Gingrich or someone else. Those good attributes are obviously what is needed in a VP. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it's uh, he was the House of Representatives. Uh, rep, he was the rep for the seventh congressional district, which is a district west of Houston, Texas, near Harris. I guess it's yeah. in Harris. Yeah. Harris. Anyway, this this article that I read now, you know, I don't really trust um, Wikipedia all the time, but this I believe, <laughs> just knowing George Bush's past. Uh, it says um, Bush and the Harris County Republicans played a role in the development of the new Republican Party of the late 20th century. First, Bush worked to absorb the John Birch Society members who were trying to take over the Republican Party. So, you know, the fact, and Susan will probably be on in a minute, she'll tell you that, um, you know, I think she's she's been following the John Birch Society, and uh, she probably already knows this, that Bush, uh, very early on in his political career, was trying to get rid of the not the... Uh, New World Order expose people, you know, anybody that uh, wanted to expose the New World Order, he would have get he would have been against. Now, um, I don't. Is Susan on? Hello. Say, isn't it odd that he was trying to co-opt the John Bird Society? It sounds, it sounds like well, the party today where there's infiltrators. Uh, is Susan on tonight? I'm sorry? It is. Is Susan on tonight, Robert? She she just actually came in a few minutes ago, so let me go ahead and open up her mic. Thank you very much, Susan. Well, How like are you? Hi, I'm fine. I gotta change the subject for go. just a second. How about those Seahawks and their draft choices? <laughs> oh, okay. I don't. Oh, I, I got to tease Robert about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, but Robert does. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, um, it, it, Bush isn't the only one. Everybody went after the Virtues. Everybody. And I, I, I'll send you, Cindy, because uh, you're a friend of mine in Facebook and all that. I wrote a blog article about John Birch Society, the watchers on the wall, and it was the Republicans and Democrats both laughed at them. They, they were just stupid. They were 
they hated him because they were telling the truth. So, um, yeah, I'll send you that blog article. I, I wrote a pretty good one. I mean, it's not it's not huge, but um, it's it's long enough you get the gist of it, and then you can research from there about them. But um, yeah, we've been made fun of and laughed at and scorned, and some people I suppose spit on. I mean, it's just they just hate us that much. And there's even Republicans today that like, oh, John Birch's right, you know. And it did take a hit when um, Larry McDonald was killed in that plane. Well, we don't know if he was killed or taken prisoner along with all of them. Um, but he was going to run for president, and he was uh, took over from Robert when Robert Welch died. Um, so uh, it took a real hit. And so did Ron Paul when that happened because they were very, very close friends. And although Ron Paul has never been a butcher, he has spoken at their meetings, and they love him. You know, they just love him. And there's a VP for you. Ron Paul or Rand Paul should be the vice president if, if Trump is smart. Um, well, Ron Paul, but, Ron Paul has the same problem as Newt Gingrich has. He's just too old. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm having mixed feelings about that, about, uh, you know, supporting Newt Gingrich. Well, because well here's the thing. Let me, let me interject. Let me interject, ladies, real quick. Hold on. Hold, let, me, let me interject because I want to put this to rest, and this is why, with the age thing, okay? Okay. Um, because, and this is why. I mean, I don't, I don't think – and, and no offense. Uh, we, we could talk about – we can do, uh, you know, R- Ron Paul and, and, and why you think it would be a good pick. I, I, I don't, and I think Gingrich and, – and I don't think Ron Paul would even have a, a shot at it. I think – and I could say why later. But here's the thing with the age and the vice president thing. And now I understand the the notion that, you know, you want to carry on the legacy of the president before you. I mean, I get that. And I think, you know, you know, but where we're at now to do that is that let's say you even had Newt for what, you know, for one, uh, you know, as a vice president for one, one term, maybe two. But here's the thing. If you look back in history, recent history, I should say, is that look at George W. Bush. Now, Dick, Dick Cheney, I thought he was a pretty good vice president, and he didn't, he didn't run yeah. after, after Bush. I mean, Dick Cheney didn't run. And then you've got Biden. Biden, he didn't run, you know, to be president, to, to carry on the legacy. Dick I mean, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton is actually probably more so than – Biden, the person to carry on the legacy of Obama. So having, you know, to say that, you know, whether well, or they won't be, probably won't be able to, you know, to be, be the president after they have eight years. Well, in recent history, it, it, that hasn't been the case anyway. I mean, we, we would need you know, Gingrich for right now. We need him for right now. And then in 16 yeah. years down the, you know, or, or, you know, not 16, but eight years eight, down the line. Years. Eight, yeah, eight years down the line, okay, then someone else who can be, you know, who know, I, I don't, you know, Trump-like or whatever, Trump could support moving forward, you know, after him, then that person can come in and take that place. And then Trump and, and Gingrich, like most presidents and vice presidents could do, is, you know, walk into the sunset and say, hey, look, you know, my job is done. You know, this is what I came here for. Now it's time for the next generation, the next person, 
you know, or persons, you know, that to take what we've done and and and, and, move, and move more, you know, move forward with it. Uh, so, I mean, I just think that the you know the age thing's a moot point, uh, especially with the way that's been going with vice presidential candidates in, in recent history. I mean, I know they're supposed to be the successor, and let and let's be and let's be careful with that. And this is why, and then we'll, I'll bring it back. And you guys know I hate it to interject, but I, I had to get that one to get this out. With that kind of notion, and um, you know, with that kind of notion, we're just asking for uh, them to get behind a candidate such as, uh, you know, for vice president such as Rubio, to try to say, oh, okay, look, and you know, in eight years, Rubio will still be young and he'll still be able to be president. We're opening up a can of worms to think if we're going to make age be part of the issue of who the VP pick is going to be. Uh, get, go ahead, ladies. Well, and you're, you're certainly well. You're certainly right about uh, we need him for now, and that's for sure. And if anything were to happen to uh, Trump, he could step in as president right now very easily. Um, right. He's in good shape. My dad, my dad's 80 years old, and he just retired from his trucking business where he was a very active person, lifting his own boxes, you know, carting his own stuff, you know. So, you know, doesn't mean that just because he's that age that he can't function anymore. And with his brain as solid as it is, I would look I would I would look to him for his wisdom for a long time to come. And they could, you know, be grooming someone like maybe a Ron DeSantis. Um would be awesome if if he was coming down the pike as our next uh, president. And he's a young guy who's a conservative who would definitely carry on what Newton Trump got started. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, because it doesn't necessarily have to mean that Newt Gingrich is going to come right out and be the next president. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And still, he would have so much to offer Trump. So much. Well, what about Justin Amash or Mike Lee? I like Amash, but I like I, you know, Amash doesn't have the the experience that Gingrich has. He doesn't have the the savvy and the the political weight. Uh, he he knows Newt knows how to put down the hammer when 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 he knows what it what right is. He he moves heaven and hell to get to get it done what is right and i think if he teaches that to trump and he teaches trump the way to do that with diplomacy instead of trump's you know bull in a china shop type type diplomacy uh, yes uh you know he newt has become quite a gentleman much more so than he was when he was in the uh in the house as speaker and i think that he will be a wonderful representative for trump and the rest of us in trips overseas to you know speak with these world leaders to uh pave the way for the secretary of uh state to come in there and and deal with them he knows how to soften the you know like the you know you soften the soften the target before you you know, come in there. I, I, I like, I just, every time I think about the things he could do as president, he can teach Trump how to do as vice president. So, uh, 
it's all the same to me. And and you know, <laughs> this this takes a lot of nerve to say something like this, but I'll shut up afterwards. Um, Newt would be a great pick because he would be less apt to get assassin. Assassin Trump would be less apt to be assassinated if Trump if Gingrich was his vice president because they're like, okay, if we assassinate Trump, we just get Gingrich. So no, that ain't gonna work for us. <laughs> But if you, hey, you put Kasich in there as vice president, what does that do? Like, hey. Yes, we can. Yeah. Well, you know, you Amos is mentored by Ron Paul. Ron Paul taught him everything. Mm-hmm. That's why he is the way he is. But I like Senator Mike Lee as well as Senator Ron Paul, too. And you know, there's one other person who has offered his services. Jesse the Body Ventura has offered to be the vice president for Trump. Who did you say? You broke it. You broke up a little. Jesse Ventura said he wouldn't. Mind. Oh <laughs> no. Well, I don't know about Jesse. Jesse's not really a. He's he's not what you would call a uh, social conservative, and you know, not everybody on the show is either. But I'm a social. Conservative, and so I wouldn't be willing to have somebody like uh, Ventura there because he's not going to encourage Trump to uh, uh, to stop these silly laws with about you know giving homosexual special rights and all that kind of stuff. I'm you know I'm just so done with that. And and the Supreme Court pick Newt Gingrich could give him a world of help with a Supreme Court pick. I'm thinking Jesse Ventura? Hmm. No. Jesse Ventura would be great somewhere in the Homeland Security area. (laughs) (laughs) Body body slam on the opponent in our country. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Take that, Mohammed. farther than I can throw him. I don't think he's better than he's better than Obama. That's the darn sure. <laughs> but then who is it? Hillary. That's who is it. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, I know. I really think that Mr. Putin, he's he has put the hammer down on a few things with the New World Order. He's expected with them, and I, I give him kudos for that. But what do you think you of know, this, Susan think... And, and John? Oh, go ahead. And, I'll, think, I'll ask well, you. Go ahead, and then, then there's definitely a, a question I want to pose first to the ladies, because it, it, it does involve uh, – that was weird. Okay, uh, but, yeah, go ahead and uh, ask them, and then I do want to have a question. Uh, first for the ladies, and of course this gentleman can answer as well. But go, go ahead, and I want, I want to ask my questions you too. I, I want to I want to ask John and Susan and Kelly what they think it means when what is that Fox, screeching sound? Stop it! <laughs> I hope it's not me. I don't think it is. Anyway, uh, 
Fox News trots out, or Kelly especially, trots out all these guests on her show tonight um, that all they're doing is they're just detractors for Trump. All they're doing is dissonance. Um, she brings out people that uh, she brings out these two guys, the out Silk Line, the journalist, and somebody else that they're ready to lose. The, they're le- ready to leave the party. They're gone, okay, because Trump's the nominee. And then she brings out uh, she she talks about these tweets that have been coming out. People are saying I'm with her, okay. Supposedly these are GOP, you know, Republican uh, voters. And they're saying they're tweeting out, "I'm with her." Okay, in, in other words, they're dropping Trump too. First of all, I don't if if they're they're not GOP anyway, at least not by ideology. If they're going to say I'm with her, they're going to anybody that would vote for Hillary from the Republican Party. Oh, I know. They weren't really Repu- yeah. They were really Republican. You're not really anyway. you're not really Republican anyway, right? Right. But anyway, and then she's got. And it's just one guest after the other coming on Fox. Now, I thought that Fox was supposed to be all up with the Republicans, okay, that they were Republicans that were backing Fox. And now, I, you know, given, it is a given, it's the re- establishment part of the Republican Party. That's true. But this is very telling because, if they really were established, I mean, if they really were Republican and not just establishment, they would be they would be getting their support behind Trump right now, and they would be inviting on guests that were going to actually compliment Trump. Oh well, and, yeah, and, and even and even with Gingrich people. being on the ticket, yeah, they, they, it still wouldn't change because they didn't like Gingrich in 2012 either. Fox no, News no, it That's why I stopped so, watching them for the most part. So what it tells me, and you guys can tell me if you agree with this, what it tells me is that Fox is not really Republican. They're not really Democrat. They're just playing out and out New World Order. What John, do you think? I think that's a good question to you. What do you think, John? I think it's your bingo right on the head. They're just more conservative than liberal from a certain social standpoint and definitely super conservative from a fiscal standpoint. But they're one world order, and they don't really care who wins as long as it serves the big business and the one world purpose from their standpoint. I do want to go back to something earlier, too, in discussion of the candidates for president as well as VP. I want to reiterate, we have had nothing but people, at least the last 50-some, 60 years that I'm most familiar with, we've had this mental, you know, they're dictators. These people get in office, and then they don't care about we the people as self-governing entities. And so Newt Gingrich and Donald Trump, they are no different than the Democrats in that regards. They're just like, hey, elect me to get into office. They know that there's not a judge on the planet earth that'll bring up charges against them for hardly anything unless it's just super over the top and they're going to just run roughshod over all of us we the people and our representatives will continue to go on not advocating for us and it's just going to create more division we have to continue to figure out how to 
show each other mutual respect, dignity, and due consideration as equals and allow us to self-govern. Otherwise, we're going to self-destruct. That's part of the problem right now. That's why Bernie Sanders is getting people and then people running away from the establishment in the Republican Party to the alternative, which is Donald Trump, which he's just as much a dictator as any of the rest of them. So we just don't have anybody that stands up for the true spirit of our founding. And that's what the problem is, and that's why I continue to look elsewhere. And I'm sick and tired of voting for these strong-arm people that could care less about your interest or advocacy, and they just want to do what they think is right. That's the problem. We can only move this ship forward when we all care enough to unify and say we all have the right to decide together what's going to burden us, encumber us, and, and obligate us instead of saying, oh, I'm going to elect him. Once he gets elected, then he does what he wants, whether we like it or not. So you're now just a token pawn and a scam to help them get elected, but then you become their legislative slave once they're elected because now they're going to run roughshod over you with rules and obligations and encumberments that you never accepted. So that's just a model. Well, and well, with that, okay, let, let me answer to that. Is uh, two things. One, I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of folks uh, who you know share those same sentiments. And one of the things I, you know, I, I would contend to is like you know, still work for those you know grassroots local candidates, those in your city councils, as your county commissioners, you know, your your local governments that can you know stave off you know some you know of the government power. Okay, now when it comes to you know, what, who, okay? So one of the reasons why Donald Trump and, and Bernie Sanders, to a sense, sense, you know, is attracting so much attention and so much support is people do not see them, in that Trump more than Sanders, uh, as outside of the political class, okay? They're not the political class, you know? So, so basically, you know, one would say, well, if you're saying that about Donald Trump, I mean, you're going to say that about anybody, I mean, so if you want to talk about someone who's going to be the president of the United States, where should he or she come from? What kind of background should he or she have or have had? And will that background that they have or, you know, or, you know they have, will that be enough to satisfy the experience that the American people think someone ought to have in order to be qualified to be president of the United States? Is it to the point where once a person gets to the level where they can be President of the United States, have they already, by getting to the, that level of being able to be the President of the United States, have they already been corrupted? How can we say who would be out there who would be that person? Where would they come from? What kind of background would they have? And if they had a certain background that, that you're thinking of, which that's part of my question, what kind of background do you think that that person should have? And would that be someone that the American people would vote for? Is that a question to me? Who is who is that who is that ideal person? What kind of background would they have? What 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 would uh, what what kind of experience would they have in order to be qualified to be president? Yeah, that's you're you, at, John. Okay, that's sure you, John. Generic or responded? Oh no, well, it wasn't, no, it was uh, it wasn't a rhetorical question. It was a question to you. Okay. Well, definitely, I don't know all the details, but it 
to me, first and foremost, is the respect of the Declaration of Independence that all of us are equals in the sense of governing. doesn't mean that we're all equals in the handouts of benefits of, of our government, but just to more directly answer your question, first and foremost, they have to respect the fact that every legal United States citizen is an equal owner they share unity of title, unity of person, unity of possession in self-determined governance. Governance is all about relating to each other and how we interact with each other and the governing of we human beings. And so whenever I get elected and I automatically say I'm going to you know, do this and do that, but I, don't, I no longer have to honor the Declaration of Independence and get your consent, I can go ahead and encumber you and burden you without your consent, you're a legislative slave. So first and foremost, I don't know anybody that's recognizing that fact. The closest people that I do know of that would represent that, and I still think they're tainted, is Jeff Sessions and Rand Paul. That's why I introduced that idea. Maybe they would be good VP choices. But, you know, these other people, I don't know them well enough. I, know I agree. Enough about Newt Gingrich that he's just another strong arm manipulator that he's going to use the bully pulpit however he wants to, and that's no different than Obama or Clinton or any other corrupt politician. And, and, and what evidence do you have of that from either Trump or uh, Gingrich? Where, where's the evidence of that? The evidence. Yeah. Cindy knows it better than I do. She was talking about how he was strong arming and during his time as a House Speaker, and definitely that proves it itself. No, no, you got to wait. Wait a minute. Okay, Cindy, you got to remember. Cindy, go ahead and uh, go, yeah, go ahead and clarify that, Cindy. Okay, John, you got to remember that if you want to get things done in the Congress, you're dealing with hundreds of people, and every one of those people out there probably has a different idea about the way it should happen, the way it should go. If you and I were in there, we'd have two different views, okay? So you, you have to be able to get those guys together and, and vote on something to improve, okay? Uh, Newt Gingrich knew what needed to be improved. So did a lot of people that came into the Congress, especially the House of Representatives, after he created his contract with America. That contract with America said, America, this is what's good for you, and I think if you look at this for just two seconds and read it, you're going to agree with me. We need some welfare reform here. We need some tax breaks. We need a balanced budget. we got to stop this crazy spending, okay? Now, when you take an agenda like that and then place it before the people and then the people vote all these congressmen in on the basis that they signed that document. That's called a mandate. Now, when he has a mandate to do what the people said he should do, and he made a promise to get that done, he needs to keep that promise. And he should fight with every breath in him to keep that promise. And that's exactly what he did. And all the people that were with him did the same thing. And they were able to do it with a Democrat as the president, okay? That tells me he brought enough consensus, bipartisan consensus, to 
to get that done. I don't call that strong-arming. I call it knowing how to get things done, being tough enough to do it, and, and getting people behind you. Now, I look at Obama, and I look at the people that were behind him, and I'm like, no. He was the one being told what to do by them. Newt Gingrich was the one who led the people to do what the people of America wanted. He was following a mandate, and and that I completely agree with. Now, Trump does have a problem. He does, He has made some statements that make it sound like he's just going to do this and this and this, and doesn't matter what anybody else says. But that's why I think the matchup between him and Newt Gingrich would be a good one, because Newt Gingrich would teach him how to get those things done, not by strong-arming, but by using the system the way the system was built to be used. We do have the right as the people to expect our elected officials to do what we ask them to do. If you give me a campaign promise and I vote for you on the basis of that campaign promise, you better go in there and do what you just told me you would do. When, a, when the politicians have a mandate like, like is going on in this country right now, the wind behind Donald Trump is the mandate of the people. It's a rebellion, Okay. We are rebelling against the big government, big spending. They're the ones ramrodding stuff down our throats that we told them we don't want, okay? Obama is the one who wrote a thousand or more executive orders telling us exactly what he wants. Now, Donald Trump has said, I'm going to rescind most of those executive orders. Hey, that's fine with me. They were done in the wrong way in the first place. He wants to resent them, fine. Now, beyond that, Donald Trump really can't do anything else. Congress controls the purse strings, and Congress makes the laws. So what can Trump do on his own? Only the same thing that Obama did, executive orders. Now, I have not really heard him say too much about any executive order that he was going to write. Um, now, you may have heard more than I have. I can't say that I do as much research as Alex Jones. <laughs> so um, I could be wrong. Maybe there is a bunch of stuff he has said he was going to write as an executive order. But I know that when George Bush wrote a few executive orders, I was happy about it. For instance, when he banned partial birth abortion, I was very happy about that. Uh, I'm glad that the president has the ability to do some things like that. But when the people give a, a mandate to our president and they say, get this done, I expect it to get done. Now, Newt Gingrich, I believe, will teach Trump how to do it without the strong-arm tactic, but by using the system the way it was created, to, the way that Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and James Madison and, and, and um, John Adams the way they constructed the Constitution, we have the ability through our representatives to change things. And if that looks ugly on the floor of the House, fine. That looks ugly on the floor of the Senate, fine. But it's got to get done. And somebody's got to push. There's a lot of people against us in that Congress. Somebody's got to push against them or it won't get done. You cannot go in there like Sister Mary Sunshine with your, your 
your bunch of roses and offer them to Paul Ryan and say, pretty please, Paul, would you do this? Would you stop Obama from spending money on this? Would you stop Obama from opening our borders? That's, that's not going to happen. That, that ain't going to happen. You've got to get tough in there. We've got to have toughness in there. We've got to have toughness that's on our side. Right now, all the toughness is on the other side. And to me, Trump gives us the toughness that we need. Newt Gingrich gives him the diplomatic way to get it done. But you're absolutely right. You've got to watch out for people that want to just come in there and be a dictator and say, I know how I can solve this. I'm going to do this. You know, and this is what I like. Go ahead. That's that's why I say that I'm tired of seeing this being – Manipulated and just all we're doing is nominating or electing another dick, and that's why you've heard me say on previous shows we have to have mutuality of agreement between we the citizens consenting. Otherwise, you're just asking for anarchy. Because if we can't work together by freedom of contract, mutuality of agreement for the rules and laws that govern our country, then you're just saying that certain groups get to be slaves and the other groups get to rule. Well, are you willing to be the slave? Because I'm not. So if you know, if if it takes a strong arm to get this to run up, well, everybody better load them up and lock and load and be ready to go. Because we're sick and tired of being railroaded like a bunch of nobodies. I'm not Mr. You know, nice and sweet carrying in a bunch of roses. I'm saying, hey, either we work together, have mutuality of agreement in the rules and how we make this boat float together, or we're going to fight because I'm not giving you or anybody else any more control to encumber me or, uh, you know, burden me with rules and laws and obligations that I don't consent to. And you're not going to do the same thing. You're not going to allow me to be president and then obligate you and encumber you and, and burden you, are you? So why should you have the benefit to encumber me and then and me not have a right to straighten it out without violence? Well, and, that, and how do you come to that mutual? Real quick, hold on. Let, let's let's you know expand on this. You talk, you know, you know, we're talking about mutual agreement. Mutual agreement. Let, let's give an example of you know some kind of where where you come, where we the people, the citizens, come into a mutual agreement with the government and getting something done. Give, give give an example of that. Number one, you don't pass laws and make somebody obligated to it without their consent. That's a law. And how would they? How would you? How would you get their consent to be under that law? You ask them, just like I just said. Hey, Mr. Robert, are you willing to accept this law? And every other person, Kelly and Susan and Cindy and every other American, that there will be no laws passed that will obligate you, encumber you, or burden you without your consent. Because I can Are we talking about referendums? Any rule. Period. It's no, all no, about I said, how we treat each other and how we interact no, with what, each other. What, what, so, no, what I'm saying, would, would all laws that would be passed in, in America, would they all be done by referendum? How else would you get limited government? Because when there's no mutuality of agreement, the government cannot enact a law. You, you get limited government. That's how. That's why your enumerations in our Constitution that are uneven held up and that we have overreach from 
our federal government into state issues and even into personal issues that never were supposed to be a part of the federal government. Well, and, 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 that, well, and that's that, real quick. Let me fin- let me finish. That, and that's wait a minute. That, that, and that's part, but that's part of my question. Are you, are you so you're suggesting that? Well, I mean, I'm just, I just want to get that out there. I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but I'm saying, but I'm asking is that so? What you're contending is that any laws that should be passed should be passed by referendum. Well, I'm not sure I understand the full definition of a referendum. In the context well, referendum that I understand it, it would be de- definitely a consensus of all legal Americans. They, it, the law cannot be applied to them or obligate them or encumber them if they don't consent to it. Otherwise, they're just a slave, a legislative slave. It's a new, tr- it's a new trick and psychological scam for a different kind of slavery in the modern day world. Well, that's what, well, and that and I bring it back to that. A, a referendum is basically, let's say they want, you know, X law to get passed. They, someone in Congress proposes Law X. Okay, well, we're we're going to present Law X to the people of the United States, and instead of us, instead of the Congress voting on whether that law is going to be passed, they send it out as a referendum to the people. Is what you're suggesting? Hey, uh, so that's what a, refer- a referendum Kelly. is when the people vote on uh, on the law. Go ahead, go ahead, Kelly. Well, let me, no, uh, I, just, I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm, 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 I'm not. I'm not against referendums. I think referendums are great. I mean, I sometimes I am kind of like, you know, ske- you know, sketchy on our you know so-called representative democracy. You know, I'm not fully against, but you know, you don't hear a lot of people talking about referendums. That's why I'm, you know, I'm bringing out the topic. Go ahead. Well, there's a difference in California, at least initiatives versus referendums. Initiatives are when the voters uh, start something from scratch, like let's do this or that. A referendum is where you're changing a law or repealing a law. Uh, we, we got a local referendum that's pretty hot on uh, June 7th here about marijuana. <clears throat> the sheriff was addressing the Tea Party last night. Obviously, some are for, some are against. But um, <clears throat> this is clarifying that I would never favor a national referendum system simply because the votes would be done electronically. And I've said this before, and I, if I can repeat it a hundred times, I will. The second you turn a vote into electrons, it is so easily manipulated. Um, that's the only way we can have a national referendum. We do have um, a, a, an actual national referendum process. It's called an Article 5 convention, and that's how the amendments have come forth, all 27. So um, we do have a national referendum process. Well, let me weigh in on that before you go on. Um, okay. And then let's okay, go ahead and give Susan the uh, opportunity to do that too. But go ahead. Okay. What you've got when you go to a referendum system where the people say uh, vote for every single law, two things happen. First of all, you're never going to get the whole country to agree on one single, I don't care what the law is, somebody is going to be against it. It may pass with flying colors, 60 70%. You're still going to alienate 25 30% of the population, okay? So somebody's going to feel like they're disenfranchised. 
Um, secondly, you're, you're looking at a pure democracy. Our forefathers argued and uh, debated this issue for quite a while, heatedly, whether to go with a democracy, a monarchy, a, demo- a, a, a republic. Okay, they came out with a democratic republic because they thought that was the best, uh, the best way to rein in both government and the people at the same time. If you give it all to the people, they're going to do like the the Tocqueville said. As soon as you give give them the way that they can uh, vote themselves largesse from the treasury, they're going to do it. Then your country goes bankrupt. Okay, if you think we got welfare now, just give give a pure democracy to America, and you'll never see America strong again. Okay, uh, if you had a pure republic where we really didn't have anything to say about it, and all we got was elected officials, that's kind of where we've almost let ourselves go. We've let we have left our Republican officials, once we get them Republic, but not necessarily Republican as versus Democrat, but our Republic, our representatives that are up there, have discontinued listening to us. Once they get into office, they do whatever the heck they want. Now, how is that possible? Because we're not like the people from the last century that followed the government and, and watched and, and was vigilant mm-hmm. about watching what they were doing. We have not been vigilant. This country has gone to sleep. Christians have gone to sleep. Uh, Non-Christians have gone to sleep. People who don't like uh, confrontation, they've just gone to sleep. Rather than fight for what they believe in, they just let it go. It's out of my hands. Okay, so what we need, John... It's not necessarily someone who, you know, is going to be all, let's all get together. What's that guy out in California? What did he say? Can't we just, just can't we all, can't we all, can't we all get along? Okay, we, we don't need so much of that as we need people defining what is best for this country. Define it and then get the country behind you and then get it done. And to me, that's what Trump has done. Now, I'm not saying Trump's our savior, because I'm the jury is still out on whether Trump is really who he says he is. Okay, I have always said from the beginning on this show, months and months ago, I just don't know if I can trust Trump because of his past. Okay, he's ditched a couple of wives, he's ditched a couple of con- companies, he's turned off some people. Okay, Um, but I also see a man who has built a company from scratch um, and knows how to get it done, and this man saw that he was having to pad the, the hand of Democrats, Republicans, whoever he could. He's passing out money here and there to try to get something done that would uh, accommodate his business or something that would 
allow him to increase his business. Now, I believe that he sees the wrong in that. I think he sees that he shouldn't have to pad the, the hand of some government official. He should be able to just trust that government to stay the heck out of his business and let him run his company the way he wants to run it. Then he can be successful, and there's no government agency or government regulation telling him to stop doing that. Okay? So, yeah, uh, the people need to have something to say about it, John. They sure do. They need to have a consensus, but you're never going to get this whole nation to agree to one single law, not one single law. So uh, knowing that, you have to go with the second best. You have to go with what the majority of the people are, are wanting. And what Trump saw is that the majority of Republicans anyway in this country want to see a huge change in government. They want to see less government, and they want to see less taxes, and they want to see strength overseas in our foreign policy. They want to be respected again. They want their jobs back. They want China to give us back our crap. They want, they, they want our factories back here in America. They want a wall built that's going to keep out every illegal person that wants to cross over the river Rio Grande. They want, that's the things they want. They've told Trump that's what they want. Now, why shouldn't he go ahead and get that done? Let's go ahead and move that over to Susan, then I want to bring on uh, the next topic. Uh, go ahead, Susan, if you want to uh, add in anything to that. Well, first of all, I want to talk about Fox News. I wrote a blog article on them, too. In my opinion, they're fake news. Uh, print. Awalid bin Tala, T-A-L-A-L, I, I can't pronounce it probably right. He was partnered with by Rupert Murdoch. And uh, the Saudis have their control over Obama and Fox News. And in my opinion, they are fake. Um, maybe not as bad as the other news channels, but nonetheless, they have their issues because there is that Saudi influence. Now, I'm going to read something, and Cindy probably won't be happy with me. Um, This appeared on the New American uh, Conservatives Against Newt Gingrich. Um, And uh, you can contact the John Birch Society on it. And while I'm not saying he's the worst that's come along by any stretch, um, he has supported free trade agreements. I do not. Medicare Part uh, D, the Obamacare mandate, he appeared on screen with sharp global warming and federal education legislation, and is an environmentalist. He has been... Oh, my gosh, so am I. (laughs) Well, yeah, but there's a difference between Al Gore environmentalist and, you know, I'm into organics and all that stuff and farming right and not having the... But, you know, the way Al Gore is, come on now. I know you're not like that. I'm just saying the John Birch Society does not like him, okay? And Cindy commented about how I was uh, the impression she was impressed with the John Birch Society. They don't care for Newt. And like I said, he is much better than Gingrich, uh, than Romney, for pity's sake. Um, Romney, you never even, he changed his position on a host of issues. Uh, 
often as some people change their underwear, I can't even believe anybody ever supported him, let alone McCain. And so I do like Newt better than them. But that doesn't say much for it because he has put on that hat that says he's conservative, and in my opinion, he's not. He is owned by the New World Order. Maybe not as much as some, but still he is. And it's very few that are not owned by the New World Order or are beholden to them in some way, shape, or form. Your, your vice presidents are usually picked by somebody from the New World Order. And um, Reagan had Bush jammed down his throat just as Kennedy had um, Johnson jammed down his throat. Whether it's through blackmail or whatever, they own them. They will find a way to force you to take who they want. And um, so I, I know that isn't a popular thing with you guys. I know you like you, and I'm sure he's a decent human being in his own way, but you know what? It is what it is, and I stand with the Birch Society on a lot of these things. Now, Cindy was talking about the parties um, getting together, and I just, Robert, I just sent you my article about the Unconstitutional Patriot, Patriot, Patriot Act, and uh, both sides, both parties supported it, even Michelle Bachman and Rubio and Jeff Blake, uh, swear they don't understand the Fourth Amendment. They were supposedly tea partiers. Well, Bernie Sanders, a socialist, was against it, and Senator Ron Wyden, who was a Democrat, of course, Mike Lee was uh, against it too, uh, just like Sanders and uh, Ron Wyden. Even they saw that, you know, and Rand Paul was against me because I'm Chris Christie. And Chris Christie has been appearing with Donald Trump at many, many events. And there is talk he could be asked to be something in his cabinet. I'm not going to support Trump if he brings Chris Christie and knowing how he packs Senator Rand Paul and doesn't believe in the Fourth Amendment. Man is a total idiot. And he can go jump in a lake for all I, <clears throat> for all I care. Uh, I believe all these people should have to take a test on the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, including the President, before they uh, take any kind of office. And, you know, I feel like... Um, I, would just like them, I would just like them to prove that they're American citizens. Well, that okay. But <laughs> let's see, from Clinton to Bush to Obama, the Patriot Act, everything, everyone supported it. And so they all joined hands and sang, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya, we fooled the people, Lord. Oh, yes, we did. We fooled the people, Kumbaya. Uh, that is their attitude on both parties. Join hands and sing, Kumbaya. So um, Clinton didn't actually put in the Patriot Act. He had the Oklahoma, what was it, the bombing or whatever. And he used that to try to pass, um, what was it, um, some law, the Republicans fought that, but yet they supported Bush when he did the exact same thing. It had it was a replica of it. Um, I wrote it down here. Uh, now, Russ Feingold was the only Democrat in 2001 to go against that bill, and in 2006, some others joined him, and so they were all to blame. Uh, I'm just not finding what it was, Bill Clinton. Oh, he, uh, it was the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act, which was broad legislation that provided new tools and penalties for federal law enforcement 
officials to use in fighting terrorism. So in many ways, the original bill would be mirrored by the USA Patriot Act six years later, even though civil libertarians on both sides of the aisle, uh, right and left, opposed this legislation, including Michael Freeman, who is a political analyst. And uh, Ron Paul said, not one member of Congress is allowed to read the first Patriot Act. Not one. They pass it without reading it. So you tell me, because that really upsets me. And um, it was dictatorial, and it was a Republican that did it. Yes, Clinton started it with his, but then it, you know, it was mirrored. And so, you know, I have no respect for either party because of that. You know, they didn't see what, and, and the chief author of the Patriot Act, Jim Sensenbrenner, said he was worried many times about potential abuses. Gee, uh, then why did we pass it? Uh, you know, both sides of Congress, members on both parties, tyranny and big government over the side of liberty and the Constitution. That is sad, especially many of the Tea Party members who we trusted, which wasn't worth it. Jeff Flake, Jeff Flake already, he's a flake. Senator Rubio, if anybody wants him for vice president, excuse me, I'll just bring this up because he voted for it too. And even Michelle Bachman, which I'm ashamed of her, uh, but, you know, there were other Tea Party people that did. You know, Michelle Bachman yeah, was right. never really a true uh, Tea Party. But, but, yeah, she was never really, you know, well, I think very conservative. True. And then also with Nikki Haley her as well. But anyway, I don't so know that because we, we Raul like, Labrador voted no on the Patriot Act. Thank you, Raul Labrador. So that's well, what I had to say. Can I, and you know what, girl? I'm going to fight for your opportunity to say it. This is a free country. <laughs> but now let me. Yeah, so we're going to move. Uh, we're going to move. We're going to move along. Uh, it's about ten till uh, the top of the hour. That means uh, we're about to go into the extended period. Uh, so if you're uh, listening out there, you'd like to uh, continue listening to the extended period, give us a call at 347-945-7428 and push the one on your number dial if you would like to chime in. But if you just want to listen to the extended period, uh, just give us a call. If not, audio will go out in about nine minutes. Uh, so give us a call at 347-945-7428. And, you know, before I bring this up to the next topic, I'm just going to finish uh, the last one uh, we had. And this is because uh, someone mentioned the New King Rich in Environmentalism, so I'm going to play a clip on green conservatism. The first, which, is, uh, which my I newsletter on Monday will be about, is green, conservati- green conservatism. I want to be very clear about this concept. I taught the second Earth Day. I was a coordinator of environmental studies. Ronald Reagan issued a positive statement on the first Earth Day. The environment is not inherently a liberal issue. Virtually every American would like to see biodiversity. Virtually every American would like to see clean air. Virtually every American would like to make sure that we do not have uh, unnecessary climate change, recognizing that the climate changes all the time, the natural biological rhythm or natural organic geographic or geological rhythm. Having said that, what happened to the environmentalism is that the, the hard left took it over so that the environmentalism became an excuse for hysteria, it became an excuse for big government, it became an excuse for regulation, and then conservatives said, well, I'm against that. 
That then got translated into, well, then you're against the environment. And nobody stood up and said, wait a second. We need to have a fundamental, alternative, better solution. Let me give you an example, which you are aware of because of Three Mile Island right here. In 1979, the left made a movie which was about as intellectually honest as Gore's recent movie. It, was, it had Jane Fonda in it, which told you almost all you needed to know. And it was called The China Syndrome. And it's just, it's just fundamentally false. It's a lie. But the combination of Three Mile Island and the, and, and the China Syndrome all of a sudden led to an end to developing nuclear power in the United States. Now, let me give you the numbers. When you, when you go back home and you run into your left-wing friends who are really desperately worried about, about carbon and they really worry about Kyoto and they think that there are going to be 20 feet of ocean next Tuesday and the penguins are going to be walking on sand and, oh, my God, why don't we do something? And, of course, whatever the something is means more government and bigger power. Give them the following number. It will drive them crazy. If the United States had developed nuclear power at the same level as France for electricity production, we would this year put 2 billion, 200 million tons less carbon in the atmosphere, and we would be 15% better than the Kyoto requirements. Now, of course, they'll probably tell you, we well, can't do that. You say, okay, tell me, tell me again how important Kyoto is. I'll tell you again, once again how important it is we do something now. To show you how stupid the left is, and I mean that word deliberately, because you, you watch these people and you try to figure out, how do they make these things up? Gore testified recently that he wants to have no new coal-burning plants until we have the perfect coal-burning plant. This is after a man who wrote in Earth and the Balance that the greatest threat to the human race in the 20th century was the internal combustion engine, which meant that he had managed to somehow skip Stalin, Hitler, and Mao Zedong. Uh, not an easy trick for somebody who was actually going to a very successful private school, but he did. Uh, Here's the fact. A, a new coal-burning plant produces 25% more electricity for the same amount of carbon. So if Gore, if Gore was serious about reducing carbon, he would actually be offering a tax credit to block modernize all of the current coal plants into a next-generation coal plant, and he would immediately get a 25% reduction in carbon per, per unit per megawatt of electricity, which is, by the way, more than Dianne Feinstein hopes to get by 2040. And he would do it without any government coercion, without any litigation, without any regulation. He would do it because it would just make economic sense to do it. So I believe we can create a green conservatism based on science, based on incentives, based on tax credits. And I think we can actually do a better job than the left because their bureaucracies inherently can't deliver. Superfund spends a third of its money on regulation and litigation. That money ought to be spent on engineers and recovery. And that's a total, we can offer a better model. So I just want to urge you, don't back off on this. Be prepared to go into the Philadelphia suburbs and say to the most passionately interested environmentalist, terrific values, here's a better way to get there. And we will suddenly have a new dialogue in America. And that's Newt Gingrich a little bit on green conservatism. I do have some other clips that perhaps we'll play later or on some subsequent shows. Now, the next topic I want to uh, discuss, and I do uh, see we only got about four minutes. So if you uh, want to listen to the extended period uh, or what we sometimes lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark, give us a call at 347 945 Seven four two eight, and this one, uh, this question is directed at the ladies, and perhaps the other uh, gentlemen would like to answer as well. But I, I definitely want to get their take first. 
Now, some of the conventional wisdom that some are putting out there is that Donald Trump needs to have a woman as his VP pick because, you know, that's going to bring, you know, bring his numbers better for, you know, from the women vote, and that's going to, you know, bring women to vote for, for Donald Trump. And, you know, basically that that's what he needs to do. He, need, he needs to put a, a woman on his ticket. First uh, with you, Susan, and then you, Cindy, what do you think about that? Do you think that he would, you know, it's to his detriment not putting a woman on there? Or do you think that if he does, it's just going to show that, you know, at least give the perception that he's just doing it for political expediency? I think it would be for political expediency. That's what a lot of people would believe. Um, that's what Cruz tried with Carly. Oh, I can't believe it. Her. Um, I don't think there's that many women that are, I mean, you got Boxer and you got Pelosi. They're liberal, obviously. Um, so I don't know how many women are out there that uh, you could honestly pick as a vice president. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to think of names. Mia Love is not that well known, but she is. Um, uh, she voted for some things I don't approve of, and um, so I don't know if you can think of any women that are would be acceptable. And, and Sarah Palin is uh, she's been in too much of the news and too whatever herself. Um, so I don't know. You can think of some well-known conservative women that really are good. There might be a couple. Susanna, what is it, more? Is there somebody from New Mexico? Was pretty good. Yeah, her name. Her, her, her so, name has come up. Her name has come up. I mean, I've never, to be honest, until now, I've never heard of her. I think she'd be in a, a, a rel. I think she'd be a relatively unknown. Uh, I think if they want to have somebody who people know, uh, would be, um, you know, would be Condoleezza Rice is the only person I could think of female wise. Uh, who would be, you know, even possibly on the ticket. I know that's actually that's one of the people Giuliani uh, recently has suggested as a VP pick for Trump would be uh, Condoleezza Rice. Now, you know, some say she's got her own baggage, you know, being a part of the uh, Bush administration. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the person from New Mexico, I, I just don't see that being an option. Well, I, she's not well-known. I don't known. think that's name recognition enough. Pretty good. Uh, well, you can pick Cindy and me. <laughs> I was going to submit my name, Susan, uh, right above yours. <laughs> okay. We can have two vice presidents. There you go. I like it. <laughs> I know I, I get the well, job. Actually, I'd rather you know be, what? I, I'd rather be Speaker of the House, rain fire and brimstone <laughs> down on them. And you know so what, you Susan? VP. What? Neither Neither me nor you, neither you nor I, know enough about how to how the Beltway works. Whoever he picks, I don't care if it's woman or man, but it better be someone who knows how to get things done inside. Because Trump doesn't know how Congress works. He's never been in there. Maybe he's gone to visit and and kind of seen a little bit of the process, but he really doesn't know what goes on behind the scenes. What I mean. 
some he does because he was a part of it. But he, he, you you have to know what the strategies are that they use, and there's a lot of them. And and they I don't know each a, other, a woman. shake hands, and make deals. Exactly. <laughs> but you and know, I'm not for that. I'll take Jesse Ventura you know. with me, and he can bodyguard and slam him to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> But like if I was he needs someone to teach him the ropes. Someone like me, I, I wouldn't know how to start that. Uh Fiorina, she I don't I don't trust her. Um no. she may know some somewhat about the process, but I, I just don't think she's got it. Uh you know, all the women with power in, in Congress right now are liberals. I certainly wouldn't want him picking one of those. Uh, whispering in his ear, uh, yeah, whispering and, and, in his ear all the time. Yeah, and uh, before uh, before Carolyn uh, left, she mentioned Sam Tittle on this. We've had Sam Tittle on the uh, show before. Yeah. You can uh, hear her uh, on the podcast. That's who Carolyn uh, before she left the chat uh, mentioned. Uh, and you know, Susan. I mean, we we interviewed her once in the show. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. Susan. You know. Her better than, than, of course, I do. Uh, that's a suggestion there. Uh, I just think that Trump's going to need somebody. You know, and I'm, ideologically wise, you know, that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. But I think what Trump's going to need uh, is somebody who's got some kind of you know name recognition. And I certainly think that he's going to need, because he's hasn't been in politics that long, someone who uh, does know the field, does know how things are done, uh, and still. I mean, one of the things that Gingrich, I mean, Trump has been saying, he's, going to, he's like, I'm going to get the smartest people. You hear this all the time. I'm going to get the smartest people in there. I'm going to get the best people in there. And, one, you can't get any smarter, really, than New Gingrich. You just can't. Okay? I, you, there's no one out there that I know of that would be more intelligent. And then, you know, he says, I'm someone who knows how to handle Congress. Well, he knows how to handle Congress and, maybe even more importantly than that, he knows how to handle Hillary Clinton. Remember, <laughs> out of all these people that are throwing around, who has dealt with Hillary Clinton the most? And I would say that would be Newt Gingrich. And, and he won. Yeah, and won. Exactly. And that, and that comes to this. is uh, This is, you know, part of the uh, petition that you sent me, Cindy, uh, that I'm going to, uh, you know, we're going to, Put towards uh, the you know the petition that we're working on, you know, kind of getting you know what I put on and then yours, uh, what you put together for that. And what we got here at, uh, for for that petition, folks, and and, and look for it soon because we're going to have this out there. And uh, let's go with it. And so it's a contract with America, the most succinct. We'll be able to win any debate with Hillary or Bernie VP pick. And I'm going to stop there. Uh, because I like to use things when I've got them. So let's see if I can find this audio. of Now, this will never happen now because Obama is going to be gone as a president. But here's an idea about a debate that could have happened between Newt and Obama. Gingrich. Tonight, Newt Gingrich, again, I think uh, did the best. The guy that I'm agreeing with most up on stage is probably the guy to my left. So I would say that uh, Newt Gingrich would be the guy. Actually, Newt has been one of the best of the other candidates. Newt Gingrich showed last night 
why many conservatives believe he is the best person to take on Obama. Anybody who's covered Newt Gingrich over the years knows better than to underestimate him. When Newt Gingrich goes after the mainstream media or one of their reporters, he's going after Barack Obama, and yeah. that's what the Republican primary voters want. It actually got a standing ovation, which is fairly unusual in a debate like this. These debates are part of the reason why Newt Gingrich just won South Carolina. Well, maybe we should go along with what Gingrich wants and have debates without moderators. Why Newt Gingrich? I just think he's got the best economic plan of any of the candidates. Tea Party Nation founder Judson Phillips says Newt is the most electable and he's also impressed with Gingrich's debate performances. Reagan conservative, uh, grassroots, which is Newt Gingrich. Let's take a look at the extraordinary men and women who make up the 104th Congress and of course its distinguished speaker, Newt Gingrich. Barry Goldwater handed the torch to Ronnie and in turn, Ronnie turned that torch over to Newt. The distinction between Speaker Gingrich and President Obama will be so distinct that I think that gives him the best chance in order to be able to get elected president. Newt Gingrich comes out as the big winner tonight. And it's rare that the group almost unanimously picks one winner. Tell me, who won this debate? Show the audience. How many of you were backing Gingrich 10 days ago? Raise your hands. And how many of you thought that he won today? Newt Gingrich would, um, he would clobber Barack Obama in any debate, any forum that had to do with substance when it comes to policy and solutions for the challenges that America faces. Newt Gingrich would clobber Barack Obama. And what I want to do is to make sure that the plumber, the nurse, the firefighter, the teacher, the young entrepreneur who doesn't yet have money, I want to give them a tax break now. And that requires us to make some important choices. Last point I'll make about small businesses, not only uh, do 98% of small businesses make less than $250,000, but I also want to give them additional tax breaks because they are the drivers of the economy. They produce the most jobs. The fact is that more people have been put on food stamps by Barack Obama than any president in American history. Now, I know among the politically correct you're not supposed to use facts that are uncomfortable. Second, you were the one who earlier raised a key point. There's a, the area that ought to be I-73 was called by Barack Obama a corridor of shame because of unemployment. Has it improved in three years? No. They haven't built a road. They haven't helped the people. They haven't done anything. Finish your talk, One last thing. Yes, sir. So here's my point. I believe Every American of every background has been endowed by their creator with the right to pursue happiness. And if that makes liberals unhappy, I'm going to continue to find ways to help poor people learn how to get a job, learn how to get a better job, and learn someday to own the job. And the rest of that's just sharing stuff. And so moving uh, back with uh, what we've got here, uh, willing to make changes that benefit the average America uh, without fear of establishment retribution. As Speaker of the House, he proved he knew how to get things done in a beltway as well as anyone there. 
the Speaker of the House. He proved he knows how to pull a coalition together with bipartisan support and was able to pass tax relief and welfare reform with a Democratic president. Also doesn't mind staying in the background while affecting change. His public policy documentaries demonstrate his knowledge how good government works. A senior science at Gallup, senior advisor at the Denton's law firm, and political analyst for Fox News, CNN, and others, he has shown that his wisdom and advice would make him indispensable to the Trump administration. Newt is able to share unique and unparalleled insights in a wide range of topics. Widely recognized for his commitment to a better system of health for all Americans, his leadership in the U.S. Congress helped save Medicare from bankruptcy, prompted FDA reform to help the seriously ill, and initiated a new focus on research, prevention, and wellness. His contributions have been so great that the American Diabetes Association awarded him their highest non-medical award and the March of Dimes named him the 1995 Citizen of the Year. Recognized internationally as an expert on world history, military issues, and international affairs, Newt served as a member of the Military Defense Board. He was the longest-serving teacher of the Joint War Fighting Force for Major Generals. He also taught officers from all five services and as a distinguished visiting scholar and professor at the National Defense University. His experience as the son of a career soldier convinced him at an early age to dedicate his life to his country and to the protection of freedom. His career as the son of a career soldier convinced Okay, there it goes. Convinced him at an early age to dedicate his life to the country and to the protection of freedom. From 2007 until his 2012 presidential bid, Newt, Newt served as general chairman of American Solutions for Winning the Future. He also had been a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute in Washington, D.C., an distinguished visiting fellow at the Hoover Institute at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California. He is also a news and political analyst appearing on regular, uh, regularly on cable and broadcast news. Knows the glories and future failures of history so that he knows what works and what doesn't, causing the rising and falling of empires. And that, uh, as I said, coupled with uh, what I've got there, is going to pretty much be the body of the petition. Uh, we're going to be putting that together uh, to send to not only Gingrich, not Gingrich, to New. I keep doing that tonight. But also, uh, you may or may not know this, Ben Carson has been asked to lead the vetting uh, part of the candidates for vice president. So Trump actually, yeah, so Trump did uh, bring in Ben Carson uh, to kind of be the lead in, in vetting his you know, choices for the VP candidate. So also uh, without with sending it to the Trump campaign, also say that we send uh, the information to Ben Carson of the petition and with Ben Carson as well. So we'll be uh, posting that out and getting signatures for those who are uh, Gingrich supporters and think that he will be, as I do, the best pick for him, for Trump to pick. Uh, in his run against Hillary Clinton, because no one that else that even we've discussed and those I've seen on social media has the experience of dealing with uh, Hillary Clinton as Duke Gingrich does. So there we have it with that. Um, so we got we're about a quarter after the hour, so we got about a half hour 
or so. Uh, before we got to do, take closing comments and close things out in the show. And so I want to go ahead and, you know, just with, you know, a lot of the things that I've read that you just now heard, I want to hear from you, John, and then what's your thoughts on all those accolades, and then bring it over to you, Kelly, and then we'll move on to uh, uh, the next topic if uh, time permits. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I mean, it all sounds impressive. It's just, to me, it's like all politicians, it's lip service, because the truth of the matter is, it goes back to the same thing. If you're going to live by the fact that you're okay with an oligarchy of people dictating, and it's okay as long as you get to be a part of that oligarchy, but it's not for others, then it it ain't going to matter. So we're just going to get more um, advocacy for the oligarchy and the rest of us are just left out. And, you know, whoever they pick, like you guys are saying, you have to have somebody that understands the system, but you want somebody that will be true to we the people as opposed to, try to use the system against the people and and disadvantage the people. We have to have advocacy. Otherwise, we're not a true citizen, and they're not upholding the true Declaration of Independence. So, is, yeah, so again, I mean, okay. And so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Kelly. Thank you, John. Kelly. I know you. I, oh. I see Kelly still on the line. <laughs> Are you muted, Kelly? Maybe I had to take a bathroom break <laughs> or a snack. Well, I know he's, he's, to get a snack. I know he's working on some. I know he's working on some uh, some business calls. I do see him in the, see him in the line. Uh, Kelly, out there, you, you know, when you're ready to chime in, uh, just go ahead and uh, chime in. You know, it's just it, interrupt us, Kelly, if you need to, because we want to we want to hear from you too. Okay, now another uh, part. Now, of course, first they said that, you know, it must be a female person that he picks. And, of course, on the other uh, hand, there's a lot of folks out there saying that, well, maybe not necessarily, but he should pick in a minority of sorts, whether it's a black uh, VP pick or whether it would be a, a Hispanic. Now, the way I would see it, if he was to do that, then I think that it's just going to be seen, whether correct or not. I'm not saying this would be correct. But I think that people would just say, and I think the Democrat, you know, I think Hillary Clinton would try to say, well, he's just pandering. He just put something, someone up there who, uh, you know, was a minority just to try to get some minority votes, things of that nature. Which, even if he got one of the most qualified people, he, you know, as I, and I said, I mentioned Condoleezza Rice, for instance. Okay, so let's say, you know, her. I, I think that, you know, just by all the attacks that will be get be given you know, from Hillary Clinton and her campaign and their surrogates, that I think it would actually diminish uh, the value of, of her, you know, her or, the, or him or whichever being on the ticket because it's, it, it's just going to draw that kind of fire. And I think it would take any type of true significance uh, away from it, you know, and the qualifications of that person. Uh, what do you think about that, Cindy? Well, First of all, let me just say, uh, commenting on what John had just said earlier, um, that, you know, you didn't want somebody in there just heavy-handed doing, you know, 
You wanted somebody that was going to do what we the people wanted. Um, <clears throat> the only thing you can do when you're an electing official, I mean, you can either just go with a straight referendum government, like what we talked about earlier, or you have to send someone up there that you trust to do what you think he's going to do. Well, there is no, you, you have to look at the record, okay, of the people that you send there. What did they vote for? What did they vote against? How many votes did they miss altogether? Okay, how many votes did they vote present? Uh, and then you add up, you know, you add up the the data that you have there, and you decide, that guy that I sent up there with my vote, is he doing what I say I said to do or not? Um, and then you know whether you had something to say about it or not. That's how you know whether you've been disenfranchised or if you've been listened to. So now what do you do when someone like Trump comes along who has no record? The only record he has is how he has played the political game from the outside looking in, um, greasing the hands, greasing the palms of those that uh, could either hurt or hurt or help him. Okay. <laughs> so we can we can go by what he says, um, and so far Trump seems to say exactly what's on his mind. I haven't heard him embellish too much. I haven't heard him uh, tell what I thought might be a lie. He's straightforward about what he's done in the past. Uh, so at least I can look at that and say, well, he seems to be on the up and up. But like I said, there is no record to go by. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let the jury stay out on that. And now look at his VP pick. Of all the people that he could pick as a VP, you have to think to yourself, what is their record? What's on their record? There's a few with good records, fairly good records. But I know very few that made such a huge uh, huge promise. Just a huge promise. The contract with America was something that's never been done before. And, and I mean, everybody knew about it. Young people, old people. It was no secret. And then what did he do? He actually fulfilled his, the most of his campaign promise. Some of it they just wouldn't let him do. And some of it he didn't get to do because they kicked him out. Because uh, they didn't like that he was going the conservative route. Okay. So I'm looking at his record and I see he told me he was going to go this, do this, and he did that. Um, now, what did he tell me he was going to do? Well, it was a straight conservative platform. And he got the most important things done first. Newt's big on that, doing the important thing first. He puts his priorities in line, and then he starts at the top. And Newt did that. And the biggest thing he did was motivate Congress to stop Hillary Clinton's health care plan. Um, now, Newt Gingrich has had two, three marriages now. Two pretty long marriages. It's not like he just jumped in and jumped out of his marriages. They were both, you know, close to 20 
years, these these marriages he had. Um, but he left. Uh, he he left his wives in a uh, uh, you know uh, adultery situation. So that doesn't speak very well of it. However, he has said, as we Christians like to say, saw the light, and he has repented. And I fully believe that uh, had he been given that choice again uh, with his first wife, knowing what he knows now, I, I think he, I think he could withstand the temptation. I really do. Um, we all think we want to, you know, we want to go back to our teen years or our 20s years and take back some of those things we did when we were stupid and unwise. But, you know, Newt's got some baggage, there's no doubt. But I see in the time he spent away from the political arena, uh, I see a lot of difference in how he, his personality and his, his moral values when he returned to the political arena. Um, so, John, I, I don't have anything to, to help you out with, buddy, except to say try not to be so cynical about the people who are running our nation up there. I happen to know personally a couple of them that are doing as good a job as they can with the way things work up there. It's it's set up to help the people that have been there the longest. It's set up in a, a system of seniority where it's tough for any new person coming in there to get anything done. So people like my congressman, they try so hard to, to do good stuff. Um, and they get no help from uh, the senior members of Congress. So try not to be cynical. There is some good up there. There are some people that are thinking about you, John. They're thinking about me. Uh, they're thinking about their constituents when they make those votes. Um, give them your support when you know that they are. Research them and make sure you know how they're voting so that you can either give their, your support or tell them that they've done something wrong, you know. Um, but basically, you know, I'm trying to encourage you, John, because <laughs> you sound really down and really discouraged. And, um, you know, even if this whole thing comes crumbling down with whoever wins, whether it's Trump or Hillary, and this whole nation comes crumbling down, you're still going to need a strong spirit of of um, positiveness in order to survive this world that, that's coming. So I don't know if that helps you any, kiddo, but um, just, you know, try to give some of them the benefit of the doubt anyway. And so you mentioned uh, health care, and so I'm going to just play this really quick clip. I just want to... Speeches are terrific. And, and Clinton came in and sold health care in the last of four days. And then it disintegrated in, in 1993-94. The problem this president has is that this morning, Senator Tom Coburn announced he had lost his cancer doctor 
under the Obamacare bill. Yeah. Now, that kind of stuff, it's day a totally after misleading day, story, by the way. Of course it is, Paul. It's, you know, it's all, no, nobody has ever found that their private insurer has told them that they are that the, the doctor oh, they were using is no longer in I, network. I know it's, I know it's hard know, to, get it's, to hear this. It's, it's, a, well, it's a garbage story. Uh, it really you know, is. Whether, and, whether, whether Newt is right or not about But the point is, the point is, because the point is, Clinton talked health care and didn't happen. Obama talked health care and it did happen. And it's not going to be reversed. And that's the important news here. He's, 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 he knows he's got it. Yeah. Republicans know okay. he's got it. I'm, I'm glad you heard that world. In, we the country, in the country at large, day after day after day, people learning they have lost their insurance, people learning what the size of the cost of the new program is, people learning they can't go to their favorite hospital, they can't go to their favorite doctor. The president just right. peaked tonight. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your there was a little back and forth there, and I uh, hear that Kelly is back on the line. Welcome back, Kelly. Hey, how you doing? Uh, here's the uh, delegate count for Trump. Um, so far, he's got 1,053. Cruz has 565, and Kasich has 153. So, obviously, they're both hurting, and the news has come out that uh, presumptive winner. Um, so 12.37 is what he needs. He's got 10.53, which means he needs 84 more. Nebraska's coming oh, up. Oh, he'll get that with California easy. Oh, Cal, if he gets California, it's over. But uh, coming up, we've got Nebraska, West Virginia, Oregon, and Washington. So the magic number is 84. Nebraska's 36. West Virginia's 34. Boom. That would be, uh, well, 70 votes right there. There's 70. And then Oregon's 28. Boom, that puts him at 98. He's got it. Washington, 48. Or 44. Washington's 44. Uh, 152. And then you still got California. So um, he's going to be up in the, oh gosh, 1300s. 1300s, maybe more at uh, 1237. You start adding some from. Cruz and Kasich that are jumping ship. I mean, I'm not saying all of them, but some of them will jump ship, and he's pretty much um, got it. So, you remember when I called you that it was the second Super Tuesday, I had a dream, Robert, that Trump would win the nomination? Mm-hmm. You remember that? Parts of these. it, I think. The what? I said uh, maybe parts of it, <laughs> but it was, it was a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of unfortunate, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, no, that's happened since then. But remind me. Well, yeah, it, it was the second Super Tuesday, I think, in late March. You know, I wasn't even. Oh my gosh, sure. we're talking about not, late March. <laughs> it's May. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. So you know, it's um, I've had these. But no more premature judge uh, trumpulations, right? Yeah, there's no more. <laughs> it's not premature anymore. <laughs> I sure had a lot of fun with that one. But and what about Bush's? Asking. And what about Jeb Bush's statement? He Trump will not get the the nomination. Well, Jeb, we figured you out, and we have Al Gore to thank for that because the internet and alternative media. So you know, Al Gore and the internet. So <laughs> yeah. we, we have to thank Al Gore for right. Trump's uh, election. <laughs> Al Gore. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I, I would love to play some midnight basketball with Al Gore and watch him dunk it, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
So, yeah, it's 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 going to be amazing, and maybe somebody finally got to some of the higher ups because Vince Priebus is about to make it official. Um, but you know, somebody may have said, "Look, are you, are you guys drunk on drugs? Either quit taking the drugs or give me some, because you do this to the party by destroying Trump, it's over." I mean, come on. So yeah, maybe they, they sobered up. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm hubris, I guess would be the phrase here with the people that in power. Hubris. Uh, I mean, you look at kings throughout history. You know, King George, we sent him a Declaration of Rights in 1765 in meetings with him in the Parliament. They didn't listen. Declaration of Rights, 1774. They didn't listen again. And, you know, hubris. And then you go back to even bad King John of England. He didn't listen until there was a civil war, a revolutionary war. It took five years. Finally, he sealed the Magna Carta. But this hubris, I was going to go to the Pope and have it annulled. Then he went after the mayors again, but he died. I mean, this is, this hubris is just, you know, defined as this pride to the extreme that you delude yourself to, I mean... I had a client once who was an expert witness case. The guy was so delusional, hubris, unbelievable, to the tune of, what was it, $75,000 or 95000 Like I tell him, dude, what do you think the jury's going to say? You know, you got to fight with trespass. Hello? They're going to ding you. And he wouldn't listen, and the attorney wouldn't listen, and they lost. And the jury even imposed punitive damages. Hubris. I, I'm just – so may, maybe – Maybe reality has just hit uh, the GOP, the GOB, BO, GOP, good old boys, grand old party. What's it called? Okay. Anyway, it's 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 it doesn't have 100% yet, but certainly the way things go, um, you can just see these these delegate counts from uh, Nebraska next, and West Virginia, then Oregon, and Washington. I mean, who do you vote for when when your candidate drops out. What do you do? Uh, uh, uh. So, anyway, that's about enough for me from now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there may be some, and I'm sure there will still be some who will vote for, um, you know, that that'll vote for, you know, Cruz, maybe even Kasich. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll still get a lot of people voting for Cruz, even though he's spent his campaign. Uh, like kind of like what happened in 2012, once the RNC, which I, I you know what here's the thing, if, if, if this is poetic justice, uh, if I've ever never seen it, because what the Republican Party and the RNC, the establishment at least, and the RNC did, and the so-called conservative media did in 2012 to get Romney coordinated, okay, what they did for that, and what they did to the to the Newt Gingrich delegates and voters. And, and and Ron Paul as well, okay. It's so, sir. I feel almost almost vindicated because I mean I really think uh, if we could have gotten a Gingrich uh, presidency, it'd been phenomenal. But anyway, but I think that's what has happened with them is such poetic justice in two instances. One, you know, if, of course Trump beat them, right? Two is they actually had to, for a while back a candidate in Ted Cruz that they absolutely couldn't stand to try to beat someone who they 
disliked worse than Donald Trump. Okay. And so it's poetic. I mean, just, it's just poetic justice with that. And now, you you know, you, you've heard you're having an ice cream sundae with a cherry on top. The cherry on top is going to be Newt Gingrich, who they did everything in their power to quiet him once he won South Carolina, right? And thinking, uh-oh, wait a minute, you know. And for him to come out and him to get chosen as the VP pick, telling you, poetic, poetic justice right there is what I've got to, you know, what what I've got to say about that. I mean, that would just be sticking it right back to the RNC, right back to the the, the GOP establishment. Um, and boy, it just there's a sweet taste for that. I have to admit. I mean, if, if Gingrich get in get in there, that just would be. It just they they got what they deserve. They really do. I think the Republican Party uh, they got what they deserve. They really do. And I think somebody was going to make a comment on that. Was that you, Cindy, or was that you, Cindy? Um, Well, I had a comment, but I'm not sure I uh, that I may have forgotten what that was about. But I, I have a I have another de Tocqueville, uh that I would like to read. Now, this one's a little more lengthy. But I think this goes to the heart of where people are today. And if and if we want to get someone elected to president, whether it's Trump or anybody else, that really will follow the Constitution and uh, uh, think about the American people and, and what they need, what's best for America, if we want a president like that, we have to get some people woken up. And this kind of exactly, this is exactly my sentiments. And I really fell on this accidentally. <clears throat> Hang on. But it, it really does describe uh, particularly uh, what John was talking about. Um, there's a reason why those politicians aren't listening to us. And there's a reason why they think that they can get us into slavery um, and, and do their business bidding. And this kind of describes it. And I'm quoting Alexis de Tocqueville. There are some nations in Europe whose inhabitants think of themselves, in a sense, as colonists, indifferent to the fate of the place they live in. The greatest changes occur in their country without their cooperation. They're not even aware of precisely what has taken place. They suspect it. They have heard of the event by chance. More than that, they are unconcerned with the fortunes of their own village and the safety of their streets, the fate of their church and its vestry. They think that such things have nothing to do with them, that they belong to a powerful stranger called the government. They enjoy these good goods as tenants without a sense of ownership and in never give a thought to how they might be improved. They are so divorced from their own interests that even when their own security and that of their children is finally compromised, they do not seek to avert the danger themselves but cross their arms and wait for the nation as a whole to come to their aid. Yet, as utterly as they sacrifice their own free will, they are no fonder of obedience than anyone else. 
they submit, it is true, to the whims of a clerk. But no sooner is force removed than they are glad to defy the law as a defeated enemy. Thus, one finds them ever wavering between servitude and license. When a nation has reached this point, it must neither change its laws and mores or perish. Excuse me. It must either change its laws and mores or perish. For the well of public virtue, of, for the well of public virtue has run dry. In such a place, one no longer finds citizens, but only subjects. Now, the one thing I take away from this the most is that, oh, and end quote by the way. The, the one thing I take away from this the most is that people are sleeping, and even when they wake up, there's no virtue, and there's there's no wisdom, uh, and so they fall right back into servitude again or slumber again. Um, I think our problem as a nation right now is not so much politics as it is the spirit of America, the spirit in the hearts of Americans is asleep. There's no excitement anymore. We've been taught not to be patriotic. We've been taught well, you have to be diverse. Well, and Cindy, there's a, num- there's a number of factors in this. You know, <clears throat> most people, when presented with an easy resolve to a situation, they'll make the right choice. When times get real difficult, it's a real test of their character if they can still make the right choice. And you combine that with a instant gratification society um, where they want instant results now, then you get further away from from really sterling character. Um, So it's hard for people. They feel defeated. They feel disgusted, frustrated which is a wonderful thing with Trump because he's bringing in a whole bunch of new people um, because they have felt helpless, discouraged, beat down. I mean, the millions Trump is bringing in is amazing. And so maybe in their mind it's a quick fix. It's something different. You know, they're at least trying, and that's a really good thing. Um, Yes, our education system's a mess. There's a number of factors to this. And it's really... In colonial days, the character of the people was just sterling, absolutely, and their faith in God and everything else. And, and life was simpler back then. Yes, it was a lot of hard work, but agrarian society, and it's a lot more common sense. It, it's so many factors, it's really frustrating, and that's where we've been headed. Um, maybe Trump will make a huge, huge dent in the establishment or maybe even tear it down, that's my hope, but... Uh, Hey, I want to throw out a, a, a new business idea just for being goofy. A business idea? Yeah. Go ahead, go, go ahead real quick, Kelly, and then i got one more audio clip I want to play for tonight uh, on our topic. Oh, okay. And then uh, and, and then at that point, I'll probably just get ready to start closing things out. Go ahead real quick, and then I want to play that audio. Okay. Well, I call these uh, spoofs or brain farts, but uh, years ago I thought of this one. This is, this is not the new one, but, <clears throat> you know, uh, skydiving for politicians, absolutely free. Your first, your first parachute jump, get a helicopter right on the D.C. Mall. Congressman can come out, 
absolutely free. We take you up in the sky and we give you a free skydiving lesson. No strings attached. Okay. <laughs> now, the other one, I, I'm calling this one uh, opt-in socialism. Yes, opt-in socialism. Yes. It's, you know, there's, there's uh, car insurance, there's health insurance, there's life insurance. There's AFLAC, you know, the silly duck, the AFLAC, where if you get unemployed, you know, it's private unemployment insurance, which isn't so good, but that's another story. But I just call this opt-in socialism. Yeah, you pay the collective, pays in every month, automatic deduction from your paycheck, assuming you have to work for at least six months and prove your work history. And then when you get unemployed or some mishap happens, the collective, yes, the collective, would vote to whether your claim gets honored. Question is, <laughs> would I really get people into the opt-in socialism program? <laughs> <laughs> there, there it is. There may be some. There may be some. And I tell you what. Speaking of socialism, I'll make this one, uh, uh, this one comment. Uh, and I may have mentioned it earlier tonight for us to be. Um, and this is another reason why I think being or should be, be great, because I'll tell you what, I really think that we are going to see a Hillary Sanders ticket. I think that's how it's going to play out. I think it's going to play out those two are going to be uh, – and once again, he's not going to be somebody who's going to be president someday. Even if Hillary Clinton does become president, he wouldn't be somebody who would be able to run later. I think that might be the wave of the new political future. We'll see. But I think those, that is going to be the Hillary ticket. And just imagine how bad Gingrich will blast <laughs> Bernie Sanders in the debate when they start talking socialism. But let's go ahead well, and how, I'm going to play this how, up. How old is Sanders going to be? How old is Sanders going to be in four, eight, uh, even uh, twelve or sixteen years? I mean, he's already really old. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea. Uh, but I'm going to play this audio, and then we'll uh, have to get our closing thoughts, and I'll clear things out for tonight. But this is a little montage I think that was put together uh, with Newt's resume. I want to tell you one thing about Newt Gingrich. I will tell you that there is no brighter philosopher, no greater conservative voice in this country than Newt Gingrich. We face a challenge in this country. It's a challenge of ideas. Newt Gingrich has led an American life. Newt was raised by his mother, Kathleen, and his adoptive father, Robert Gingrich, a career soldier and army officer. An extremely bright child, Newt did well in his studies and found his first calling to become a teacher. He did just that. He earned a Ph.D. and went on to teach history at West Georgia College. In the 1970s, he became dismayed by the liberal politics dominating Washington, the malaise those policies were causing, and the harm it was doing to our economy. He decided to do something about it. And in 1978, Gingrich won his first election to Congress, representing part of the Atlanta suburbs. Once in Washington, Congressman Gingrich began to confront the usual politics and became a leading ally of my father, Ronald Reagan. He helped Congress push through massive tax cuts. He worked to secure a military buildup that helped defeat the Soviet Union. Under his leadership, Congress also limited the welfare state. As a leader in the Reagan Revolution, Gingrich began to confront both Republicans and Democrats in Congress for their cozy insider deals. 
By the early 1990s, he and a group of young conservatives made an audacious move to gain control of Congress. Gingrich wrote The Contract with America, a blueprint of what Republicans would do if they won Congress. In 1994, the American people agreed with that contract, and Newt Gingrich and his fellow conservatives were swept to power in an amazing political upheaval. This sweep ended almost five decades of Democratic rule in Congress. Gingrich was elected as the 58th Speaker of the House, the third highest elected official in the land. Gingrich then led the most reform-minded Congress in history. And his team pushed and got big tax cuts, limits in federal spending, and during the speakership, the country witnessed an unparalleled economic recovery, giving the country our first balanced budget in decades. After leaving Congress, Newt Gingrich has remained at the forefront of an American political scene. In speeches, books, and heading organizations advocating for conservative ideas, he has helped keep my father's legacy alive. I think Newt, who was there with us at the very beginning, is proposing an exactly a Reagan-Kemp agenda. We need jobs, output, and employment. We're losing tons and tons of potential prosperity because of bad economics. But and, and Newt Gingrich's proposal is right on the money on every major area. You consider in Washington today, around the country today, we're talking about balanced budgets, paying down our national debt, getting the economy going, you know, defending ourselves, uh, activist judges. Newt Gingrich did all those things when he was speaker. We, we got tax relief. We got balanced budgets. We got, you know, job creation. We paid down our, our national debt. And if you think about it, Mark, we hadn't done that since he left. Newt is larger than life. Uh, Newt is well known. Uh, a lot of people's memory of Newt is, he's, here's the guy that actually cut government. Here's a guy that actually balanced the budget. Here's a guy that actually took the House back from the Democrats. Newt, we'd be, probably still be a minority were it not for him. And now it needs, we need to finish that, regula, re, that revolution to honor President Reagan. This man can do it. He has the philosophy. He has the conservative principles and values. He is a Reagan conservative through and through. Let's finish the revolution and let's elect Newt Gingrich. It largely is an attack on Newt because they're afraid he might win. We're at risk if we don't have the vision for the future to take it to the next level. I think there's one man that can really lay out that foundation because he did it once before. And we're going to count on him to do it once again. I want to tell you, we need people like Newt Gingrich, visionaries, great Americans, people that understand that it's ideas. It is this vision that makes America great. He is one of the greatest American thinkers of our time. Well, I just think he's got the best economic plan of any of the candidates. And I, I love the idea that he wants a strong dollar. That was clearly Reagan all the way. The alternative, a flat tax, that's wonderful. Spending restraint. Uh, if you look at some of his reforms of programs, I mean, it is just a very, very good, well-designed economic package, and that's what I'm all about, and I figured it would be remiss of me not to come out and say I, I think he's the best candidate. I'll vote for Gingrich just because I think he can mop the floor with Obama in a debate. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. The American people create jobs, not government. Would you reappoint Ben Bernanke? I would fire him tomorrow. I think the Fed should be audited. I'm not particularly worried about Governor Perry and Governor Romney frightening the American people 
when, when President Obama scares them every single day. When I was speaker, we added 11 million jobs in a bipartisan effort, including welfare reform, the largest capital gain tax cut in history. We balanced the budget for four straight years. How would the country feel today at 4.2% unemployment? That's my credential. I'm going to outline a 21st century contract with America. It's going to be far bolder, far deeper, far more profound than what we did in 1994 or what I helped Jack Kemp and Ronald Reagan do in 1980. I am very much in favor of school choice. My personal preference would be to have a Pell Grant for K through 12 so that every parent could pick with their child any school they wanted to send them to. I think unemployment compensation should be tied directly to a training program so that that 99 weeks becomes an investment in human capital, giving us the best trained workforce in the world. But I believe it is fundamentally wrong to give people money for 99 weeks for doing nothing. The Congress this year, this next week, ought to repeal the Dodd-Frank bill, they ought to repeal the Sarbanes-Oxley bill, they ought to start creating jobs right now because for those 14 million Americans, this is a depression now. Well, I'm frankly not interested in your effort to get Republicans fighting each other. I, for one, and I hope all of my friends up here, are going to repudiate every effort of the news media to get Republicans to fight each other to protect Barack Obama, who deserves to be defeated, and all of us are committed as a team. Whoever the nominee is, we are all for defeating Barack Obama. election night when Barack Obama loses decisively. And of course, folks, uh, you can substitute Barack uh, Obama's name with Hillary Clinton because she's already stated in a debate that she not only wants to continue with Obama's policies, she wants to expand on them. What else needs to be said? So speaking of that, uh, we are getting ready to uh, take the closing statements uh, for tonight. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go and bring it over to you for final comments, uh, probably about one minute tops, uh, literally, uh, for folks to uh, give their final comments, and we'll go with you first, John, and then Susan, and then Kelly and Cindy, and then I'll close things out. Go ahead, John. Yeah, with the way our world is working right now, especially with America, we look at our stock market, and it's overinflated. The asset values of the fundamentals that make the stability of our you know, economy to work are being manipulated and then with the droughts and stuff that are going on throughout our country that's making it harder and harder for us to produce the resources that we need in order to take care of the masses of people that already live here, we can't afford to deny even one their rightful significance, value, and worth because the world doesn't revolve around me and it doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around us. We work together to make it go forward, and that's where it has to be. And I thank you so much for your show, and I appreciate what you're doing. Keep up the good work, and definitely I'd vote for Donald Trump or, and uh, 
Mr. Gringrich before either the Democrats, but I still am looking at like the ConstitutionParty.com, Daryl Castle. You might check him out. I don't know enough to say I'm going to endorse him or vote for him yet, so don't take that as an endorsement or a vote, but I'm still looking. Thank you very much. I yield the floor. Well, you're very welcome, and thank you. And, you know, I definitely, you know, you know, especially down ballots, you know, I know about I'll be voting for a lot of the uh, Constitution Party candidates, uh, there's a Green Party uh, person I will be uh, voting for as well. So I'll, there will definitely be other uh, candidates from the alternative parties I'll be voting with uh, in the down ballots. Let's go ahead and bring it to you, Susan. Oh, well, I think I forgot part of what I was going to say, but um, <laughs> Ben Carson for VP, if you don't want Rand Paul or Mike Lee, I'm just not going to go in here. Sorry. And as far as Trump, he better, um, you know, like I said, there's a few things. If he's got Christie and his stuff, I'm not going to support him. Sorry, can't do. I know what Christie believes. He's always there. <clears throat> he hugged Obama and other things like that. And I, I just mm-hmm. can't go with anybody who, you know, or if he's got Rubio in, I'm not, I'm, no, I can't do it. I'll go with the Constitution Party or Libertarian Gary Johnson. And as far as Washington delegates, pretty sure that Trump will get them because they like outsiders. For anyone there, they're um, um, and go Bernie go. That's all I gotta say about that. Go Bernie go. I hope he just kills it with her. I'm sorry, but I prefer her. And he has told her, and she got pissed that he is going to not tell his people who to support. It's a free country, and he said they have the right. You know, I, you know, I'm not telling them how if to support you or anybody. So I'm not sure you're right yeah. about that unless you really eat crow, humble crow with him. Well, we'll definitely have to. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. And uh, I, I, you know, this Stan, I think it's going to be those two actually both of the ticket. I mean, unless he, I mean, he could very well win and get uh, the same amount of delegates voted for him uh, in actual votes, but then, you know, it'll be up to the superdelegates, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, he would definitely have a, a, a strong feet stand on uh, if uh, he, he's equal to her in the voted-in delegates. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, Kelly. What a wonderful difficulty that we are having here trying to decide who Trump's VP candidate will be. Um <laughs> It's just a wonderful, good, awesome thing. <laughs> and yeah. so I just I thought I'd throw that out. Um, I'm probably going to write down a list if I was um, in Trump's shoes, um, not in his mind, but if I was in Trump's shoes, um, what is the criteria list for, um, for, for VP? And then, just for fun, I thought of this another brain part, if you will, um, we could have a pool. We could get a pool going as to um, – we could get a pool mm-hmm. going, you know, throwing a name and a dollar. I don't know. Throw a name in and a dollar, <laughs> and uh, if you win the VP pick, then you get the kitty. I don't know. <laughs> so Well, let's go ahead. And with that, unfortunately, I can't, I'm going to have to hand it over to Cindy. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, as far as what Susan just said um, uh, about Ben Carson, 
I, I actually voted for Ben Carson in the primaries, even though he was no longer uh, running. That's how much I love Ben Carson. But I think as a president, he would have been a great president as long as the people behind him and around him were venerable and experienced. And I think that's exactly what Trump needs, is someone more venerable and experienced than him. And I don't think Carson is that. I think Carson's very intelligent. He has some good plans. Um, but I don't think he has the, the experience needed. But anyway, definitely not Christie, definitely not any of the people I've heard people talking about on, on the boob tube, like Kasich and all those. But Herman Cain said something today, and actually somebody alluded to this earlier tonight. The GOP tent got bigger when Trump got the nomination. But the, established does, the establishment doesn't want that tent to get any bigger because they lose power uh, when the grassroots gain power. power. Um, so I'm for, I'm for Gingrich because I think that Gingrich will even make the tent bigger. I think that a lot of people who said never Trump that were in the Cruz camp, a lot of people that said never Trump that were in the Kasich camp, I think they'll go over to the Trump camp if Newt Gingrich is the VP nomination nominee. And I'll have to agree with that, and then I'll have to close things out uh, with that statement. Thank you very much, uh, everyone. Uh, and so look forward to next week. Next week we will have Christina Tobin on, uh, who is the founder of Free and Equal. She's the one who did the third bar, uh, party debates. Uh, in 2012, uh, so we will be having her on to the show. I don't have uh, all the details of how long she'll be able to stay on uh, and things of that nature. Her and I are actually going to have a phone conversation this weekend uh, or at least within the next couple of days uh, on that, so we look forward to having her on the show. And so uh, we look forward to that next week, but now I'll have to unfortunately close things out with a song by Aubrey Ashburn, and you can listen to her music at www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, folks. Have a good night, and see you soon. Take care. Night-night.